Some lonely nights ahead for last-gen fans. No more FIFA. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square and a PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul Bridges. <clears throat> Lucky episode 260. 260, I think. That sounds right. 260. And alongside me uh, is Mr. Chris Figs. I didn't know how uh, Brett was going to introduce all of us. <laughs> Apparently not. Did he die? Sorry. Yes, I died. I'm dead. Oh. We have two I'm now, yes, I, I am now the ghost of Brett alongside the long-running but apparently most inside joke ever of uh, the ghost of Blake Popst. <laughs> but with that being said, if you're new to the show, we are a gaming podcast that looks at uh, the gaming world through the lens of being primarily PlayStation fans, but pretty much all of us play other PlayStation or other consoles to some degree or uh, other systems, be it computer switch or whatever uh so if you like what you hear by the end of the episode re- like the video or whatever it be review the podcast let us know what you think helps get our numbers out there let people see uh, the show and see if it's worth their time but we always start to show off in a time-honored tradition of checking in on what each other has been playing so you the community can hear what we've been up to uh and we can get a kind of an idea about each other Chris, I am going to start with you this week since you were out last week. What have you been playing since we've last heard from you? Um, not a ton. Uh, Fallout New Vegas I'm still working on. I'm doing my second playthrough now. Um, mm. Yeah, playing it on hardcore. It's, it's fun. Yep. Haven't noticed anything really that different. But I think this playthrough is interesting because I'm going for the 10,000 points of heal damage with food. So it's made hardcore kind of easy because <laughs> that's what I'm already doing. Because you're just um, shoving food in your face? Exactly. So I never get. get hungry or any of that. The hardest part is having to, every time you get crippled, having to go back to the doctor's office. Yes. Yeah. Maybe a little too close to true life for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little, little Red Dead 2 for you. A little too yeah, Red Dead right. 2. Maybe a little too <laughs> Red Dead 2. I tried to play some of that game today and I just deleted it again yeah, so um, i saw every, you're playing it on discord and i'm like what is he doing <laughs> every single time that you install that game and i get the notification on my phone i think to myself <laughs> why why does he continue <laughs> to do this one day i'll beat it one day i'll get the platinum and then i'll come on here and just be like it still sucks but i have i think it. you no might be a masochist <laughs> that, Maybe. that's what i'm i've determined but I don't continue think. what else have you been playing um infamous i started up infamous like maybe Which halfway one? The first through one? that game the first one yeah okay yeah i've been so, debating look, how i want to play that game go ahead you were you were out last week and it, i guess within context i don't take back what i said at <clears> all <throat> within context of the infamous games which one is the best and which ones are significantly better infamous one is still a great game and I think it probably still holds up pretty well. I just don't think it holds up as well as Infamous 2. I just figured I'd throw that out there because last episode I was kind of like, you know, if I still stand by it, if they were going to try and bring Infamous 1 back, I think at this point a remake would be worthy. Uh, yeah. Whereas I think Infamous 2 would not need that treatment quite as bad, <coughs> though it would still be nice to get. Now that you've played it, because this is still withstanding the fact that I haven't played Infamous 1 in uh, at least 10 years, do you think you agree with that or not? I think it needs a remake in terms of graphics. I think the gameplay is completely fine. 
Uh, well, really, graphics and animation is entirely what I am talking about there. The the game has just got a lot of really odd mocap. It's not even really mocap, right? It's just got odd animations. A lot of it was borrowed from Sly Cooper, which is not like the worst. It's just it seems to have less of its own style than I feel like Infamous 2 does. It's you know, cool it's like Infamous yeah, 2 yeah, feels though. more like when you think of Infamous, you see it, which it has the benefit of coming after they were able to establish a bunch of stuff, which... To be fair, they were also trying to completely change all that. Do you remember when Cole was supposed to have hair and yes, look like I Nathan remember. Drake? Yep. I remember the complete redesign of Cole and how that blew up. That was like probably you know, one of the, the first gaming controversies I can ever remember. Me too, actually. And I remember it being like, absolutely not, and them going back. But you want to know one thing I was thinking of the <laughs> other day when I was playing Infamous 2 again? I thought back to when they first unveiled Infamous 2 with the new Cole design before they changed it. And I swear, I didn't go back and watch the video again, but I swear to you, in Infamous 2, you remember the little elevator-style things where you could grab onto them and they were electrified so they'd shoot you up to the top of a building? Yeah. I swear to you, in the trailer for the initial unveiling, there were those that were horizontal on walls so that you could go sideways across buildings quicker. And I, those are not in the game. Yeah, I, mean, I wonder I'm, if maybe I, I was thinking maybe it's like rendering, like they don't want you to move across certain buildings too quick because they can't render out <laughs> what's coming next quick enough. But probably it was just maybe, a weird thing to notice. Maybe in the Blue Point remakes, they'll let us do it. Hey, maybe. Do you remember Infamous 2's Gasworks, the area where you have the, the boss fight with the behemoth? Yeah. I feel like if they would have put that there, it would have made traversal so much more fun in that area because traversal is mm-hmm. kind of bad in that area because it's just. It's not, there's yeah. not a lot of buildings. It's primarily very tall, you know, yeah, cylindrical you things. Can't climb. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Infamous One. I think it's really good. Um, I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I was telling you, but I'm debating doing a good playthrough on Infamous One, then playing a good playthrough on Infamous Two, and then doing the same thing with an evil playthrough. Because you got to play on Infamous both One anyway. and Two. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's true. Because you got to play in both, so I figure I might. Are you I worried a, kind of a fun way? You worried about burnout? No. Have you ever met me? <laughs> nah, I have, Chris. I've, I've met you. <laughs> <laughs> what when, have when I gotten burned out in a game I wanted the platinum on? Uh, Destiny Two. <laughs> That's because Destiny sucks. Let's <laughs> call back to last week. Destiny is the only video game I've ever fallen asleep playing. In a party <laughs> chat with friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that happens with Gavin almost every single time that we play with him. So yeah, you're not alone. A, yeah, has a dumb sleep schedule and stays up past his bedtime. <laughs> you'll be mid Same. you'll be mid party chat and all of a sudden you'll just hear <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. There goes Gavin. All right, so infamous and fallout New Vegas. Anything else? Uh just the usual a little bit of MLB, a little bit of Apex. Doing some late season grinding on that, but it's about it for me. No platinum yet. No platinum yet. Saving them. It's okay. I gotta save them. I'll do like what I did with Mass Effect, where I'll get the third one and then end up with like six the same day because of how I did it. Yeah. All right, Saul. Checking in on you, man. Do you end up playing anything different this week? It's funny Chris mentioned Mass Effect. So I bought the Legendary Collection when it came out. Yes. And I never got around to playing it. So uh, I downloaded it again. 
and I haven't got to playing it yet this week. I actually intended for that to be my plans for tonight, and <sighs> that's not going to be the plan. Um, <laughs> so maybe tomorrow, Wednesday, I'll start um, that. If it's not going to be Wednesday, then I probably won't start it till Saturday. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of at the little the little road I'm stuck in right now is it was it was gonna be Mass Effect week all the week this week, but nope, not now. Um I have played a little bit of Destiny. Um I wanna say it was Saturday. It was um no, no, I'm sorry, it was Friday. Because Big Seth was asking me about it. So I was showing him a little bit um, of it, and he ended up downloading it. I think we're going to play that this weekend. Okay. Uh, if he's he playing it, I might it. hop back in a little bit. If I have consistent people to play, I don't mind it. I've yeah. taken a, a a long break from it, so no skin off my back in that regard. Speaking of which, um, one of our new listeners, or at least that's made himself aware, uh, and became a patron this week, Aztec King, thank you very much for doing so. He reached out and asked if we were still interested in uh, doing the Destiny 1 plat that we kind of talked about. And I think you had mentioned to Diana and, and Joe and everybody else. So if that's still on the table, uh, he wants to be part of it. So if we didn't have enough people, we might be closer. Yeah, I think I think we either have exactly six with him or or exactly six without him. But you know how destiny raids work. Somebody's not going to show up. So yeah, exactly. No more so it's a good plan to to prepare. So if that's something we really want to do, we should uh, we should get with Diane and everybody and kind of look into that. I meant to tell you that earlier. And yeah, um, this weekend I'm going to do a. I think it's Saturday, not night, but evening. I'm going to do a Garden of Salvation raid run with them. Okay. Um, so I'll talk to her about it then, and we'll see how we'll see how that works out. All right, Aztec King, we will let you know uh, as soon as we have kind of a realistic timeline for everyone. If I'm not mistaken, she's on the other side of the world still. So she is, yeah. Scheduling, lining up is going to definitely be important. But all right, anything else? Um, no, I, I have. I had a hankering to play Mass Effect, and I have a weird hankering to play Shining uh, or Brilliant Diamond. Like I was sitting there thinking, and I'm like, I never finished that game, and I'm like, I really like Diamond and Pearl, so I'm just yep. going to go back and play it on the couch and stuff while like we're watching like Sopranos or um you know whatever we end up doing. Um, I started watching Moon Knight, which is not video game related, but um watched the first two episodes of that that show's pretty good so far. Nice. So yeah, I've, kind of a slow week for me. As most as much as almost any uh of the T V series, I feel like they've been a little bit more panned by people who are typically fans of the MCU than the movies tend to be. Because I feel like almost every, almost half of every person I know who normally loves MCU movies has thought that the Disney Plus series have either been amazing pretty consistently or not good enough pretty consistently. And it's very interesting. So, yeah, see, I've watched, I've watched um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and mm -hmm. uh, WandaVision. They were both pretty good. I didn't, I watched Loki um, at all. I'm not a massive fan of Loki, but I, I'll still eventually probably end up watching it. But Moon Knight, I highly recommend Moon Knight, especially especially if you're a fan of uh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I think, I think he's a good actor. So, I mean, if nothing else, he's probably making it fun to watch, regardless of how you may feel about the rest of it, which I have 
zero opinion on. So yeah. So, <laughs> but what, what have you played this week, Brett? Uh, I got that infamous two plat big dog. Eleven years in the making. Woo woo. Clap 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 clap. Uh huh. All my juggalos sing with me. Woo woo. Anyway, that's, kind of, um, that's how I'm gonna feel though. Whenever <laughs> I get the blood, I mean not Bloodborne, Dark Souls three platinum. I mean, one of these days you're going to get it, but I'm not even joking. As soon as I got the platinum, and I did the same thing. I've I've got to just. I, it seems like such a cut and dry platinum. Definitely with the trophies I had left, but I realized that I could have gotten the platinum at least a day earlier, if not maybe two days earlier. For all two different reasons, deleting my save didn't help. <laughs> but oh yeah, it turns out that one of the trophies in the descriptions are unlock all powers. All right, and whenever you beat the game, it unlocks both sets of powers. So you have the evil and the good powers. And I started getting to a point where I had completed all of the side quests. So I got all the XP you could from that, I, which when you complete the side cl- uh, quest, it clears out the map and it takes over whatever region that side quest was in and secures it back from enemy stuff. So it gets to a point where once you complete the game, there's literally no enemies to fight. So I was like, oh. how do you get enough XP to collect all the powers? Somebody correct me if I'm Go wrong, ahead. isn't that... Uh, wasn't Crackdown like that? Uh, probably. Where if I you mean, like Infamous cleared Crackdown, out, Prototype are all kind of similar-ish games. If I'm not mistaken, I think the first Crackdown, if you like cleared out all of the enemy gangs, right, and you like made every area the same, I think it like you, and you beat the game. I don't think any more gang members spawned. I think it was was just a free roam game at that point. I might be wrong. It's been <laughs> I bought that game literally for the Halo Two beta or Halo Three beta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and ended, up, and ended up using cheats on it. You know, it's it's a weird thing because having done it, take bef- the second before I got started, like being like, "What the hell? How do I get the platinum?" It was actually kind of cool to feel like what I had done in the game actually changed the game because I feel like one thing that modern games do in this attempt to try and make games infinitely playable. And I, I get it. You know, Skyrim introduced the Radiant Quest system, and a lot of games have tried doing something similar since, but. Leaving the open world consistently having enemies come up and up and up and up and up, despite the fact that you've, on every quest account throughout a game like this, have completely eradicated their numbers, it starts to feel like the game is taking away the agency that you actually put into it. So it's like a it's a double edged sword because if you want to keep playing it, you have to literally start a new save. Uh, which means that you have to re- there's no new game plus, so you have yeah. to restart all your powers and everything. But at the same time, it's nice to kind of run around the city and just like slide around and be like, there's no bad guys because I'm the shit. That's basically what it feels like. Yeah. And kind of, cool a lot of modern fantasy. games. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of modern games do away with that in an effort to try and instead make it to where you can keep playing after you're done. And I kind of get it. Like, you know, they could have. And, they, and they, technically they do. Right. They uh, they reset you before the final boss. Um but then when you clear the end, it's like all you have left to do is just the, the conclusion again if you want to do it. But anyway, turns out that for that trophy, you only, even though the trophy does not say so in the description or anything, you only have to get all the powers and whatever karma you're doing for that run. So I was doing a good run. I only had to spend the experience on the good powers, but I had been buying all the powers as I could, which means I wasted experience on evil karma powers. Buying powers? Yeah, with experience. And uh, I had to oh. end up grinding 
had to end up grinding out the UCG, which is user-generated content. And I literally just went to UGC search and typed in fast XP, XP, and all stuff like that and just did every mission that you could. You only get experience from a UGC mission once, so you can't do the same one over and over again. So I had to keep looking for different ones that were designed to be quick XP and just do that until I had the remaining XP I needed to buy the last good power so I could get the platinum. But I think uh, I'm going to have to learn to break myself from my... It's not even stubbornness. It's literally that I just don't think about it because it's not the way I prefer to play. But I have to start looking at gods. At least once I determine that I'm going to platinum the game, I have to. Because this is the second game in a row now where a couple of hours before, if I'd have decided to look up something, I would have caught it and been able to reverse course. And with Infamous, I did it too late. But, oh well. There when we you are. said buy powers, I'm thinking like Bioshock style buy powers. I'm like, boy, I really am disconnected from how uh, Infamous works. Infamous plays. No, it's just literally your upgrade system. You get experience and you open your upgrade menu and you just buy whatever power you want in each category. So I still like that though. I still like that's that's we talked about that. That's all I go about like just skill trees in a weird way. I think those I think that one in particular is really interesting because it's not a skill tree so much of it's just a how do you want to play and we're going to have essentially different versions of every power. So you have a bolt that you can fire. That's your standard R1, you aim the reticule and hit R1 and you shoot it. But you can shoot a basic one. You can shoot one that shoots three and they all converge on a single thing so you get headshots easier if you can get good aim. It'll hit three to the head. That's cool. Um and kill them with a with headshot headshots quicker. You have bolt stream where you get a basically like a it's semi automatic it's just automatic. You just hold R one and it'll continue to blast shots fairly quickly, but they're weak. And then there's a magna bolt which is way slower, but it's real heavy. And if you hit, it does a, a lot more damage. And then every category, every button that has a power map to it, um, you have a variation of that power and about five different variations of that power, uh, which is pretty cool. So I think Infamous is a well-designed game. And Infamous 1 had a real similar system. I, I remember mm-hmm. Infamous 1's a harder game, in my opinion, yeah, in, in my memory. Uh, some of that's because that game had the stunt system where you, you have to... It's in two. It's where you have to complete them to unlock the next level of powers once you're high enough to do so. Yeah. Um, but it's not the same. No, it's no. Dude... Getting the infamous one platinum, one of the hardest things was getting some of the ridiculous of the 52 stunts, I think, that there are in the game. No, there's 20 something. Am I so what am I thinking of 52? I must be thinking of, um, I don't know, was, maybe blast shards. Blast shards is in like the 300 range or 200 something range. Yeah, it's a I lot remember. of blast shards. So, yeah, yeah, either way, Infamous One's a great game. I just remember it being decidedly harder. I mean, it it, I remember is. a lot about the game, though, with the dustmen and the trash yeah. bags over their head and stuff. Honestly, yeah. dude, I kind of, I really, I haven't started, Inf- I haven't started uh, Wolverine yet because, <clears throat> of course, I logged into old school RuneScape just to add somebody who told me to add them. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't finish. Oh, uh, no. It's like crack cocaine over here. It. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, man, I didn't finish this quest. That Isn't I that how like every addiction story starts? Of like, bro, I wasn't going to play it, but then somebody brought it over and like. 
Basically, yeah. I my was buddy dumping Cody, out the heroin and decided that last bump <laughs> in the bag. <laughs> and this, it's basically like I shared a heroin meme, and someone was like, "Bro, add me. I do heroin too." And I was like, "All right, I'll add you." And then I got on. I was like, "Well, all this heroin's here. Might as well bump this heroin." You don't bump heroin. I think you inject it. I don't actually. Could. I think there's like millions of ways to do it. Don't do uh, heroin. Yeah, hey, audience. Yeah, don't. <laughs> there's a million ways to not do it. <laughs> right. That's what we mean. But yeah, so I have been for the last three days entirely up old school RuneScape's butt and then uh, testing my deck out for the New Constellar um, Mech Knight deck. So I've been YGO Pro OSRS pretty much all week on my computer. But the next game I intend to start is Wolverine. I think I'm going to move my... Uh, I think I'm going to move my PS3 back here and plug it into my monitor so that yeah. it's not trying to stretch a 720p image to 4K on a 55-inch screen. And instead, it's trying to stretch a 720 image to a 1440p on a 30-inch screen, like a 32. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it won't it be as look bad. bad. I don't think it looks bad, personally. Like, I'm playing on my TV. I think it looks and okay. Yours is a 55, 65 what? 65. I noticed that whenever I was playing Nier, which is the original <clears throat> Nier is not a great representation, nor is uh, Drakengard, the two most recent games I've played on them. Uh, I feel like it looked decidedly more compressed in areas where you could tell it was trying to upscale, like upscale compression. You might but just that be forgetting how be bad the games look. Because <laughs> that's oh, no, one no. of the things like I do where I was playing Infamous and I was like, this looks awful. I remember this looking so much better. Well, then you get used to it. Some of that, but my, here's where I'm going to test my theory. The, the confidence monitor that I use for when we're doing the podcast to see you guys and myself on uh, is an old... Uh, it might be 1080p, but it's either a 720p or 1080p max 32-inch. Uh, I'm going to plug my PS3 into it and just look at resolution, not color or anything else. Sheer resolution and what they look like and then i'm going to plug it into my 1440p and see how much that pixel stretching does hurt or doesn't hurt the image and see if it, see if you're right is it just my uh my memory failing me or is it you know is my memory being too kind to the game well or let me it, know because if it looks that much better i'll just buy a tw- uh, like a 50 dollar 720p tv they're very cheap all I'll say is, if dude, playing a game on native resolution is a big benefit. Uh, it's like playing old systems that were not made for HDTVs on CRT TVs. They look yeah. so much better. It's crazy. I it's, actually it, thought it... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I've actually thought about getting a CRTV, but they are dude, ridiculously the, expensive. The yeah. holy grail... Well, you can get normal ones every day for 50 bucks, but the ones that everybody really wants that are highly sought after, like the uh, Sony Trinitrons uh, that have really high def and like they're still flat screen, but they're still cathode rear projection. Um, those are the holy grail, man, because some of them are made right at the transition. So they have HDMI inputs and everything, and they support 1080p, even though it's a CRT. It's a CRT. Those are like what you really want because it's the best of all worlds. You can play like there's been a uh, digital foundry uh, foundry did a video of like playing control on it and control looked amazing on it. So is what it is. But we'll one of these days I'll stumble across one that's not five hundred dollars from somebody on eBay and maybe I'll buy it. We'll see. Go to Goodwill. I'm legit gonna start going to Goodwill as off and flea markets as often as I can and just being like that's a You'll good CRT. I'm going to grab that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, but all right, that's about it. 
Chris, as soon as I start uh, Wolverine, I will let you know what I think of it. But I'm here's. Did you platinum it? Wolverine? Yes. No, not yet. Okay. Do you think I even should go for the platinum, or is it not? Like, do you think I would get annoyed knowing my tendency on certain platinums from what your experience has been so far? I mean, you ha- you'd have to play it with a guide. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll see. I may just play it and say, damn damn the trophy at this point. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, you could do two playthroughs of it pretty quickly, but you have, you have to get all the collectibles. And it's one of those things where back then they didn't track all that stuff very well. So there's literally no tracking. So you need to play it with the guide. Hate to see it. That's like, that was the worst thing about the order is uh, to me. I, I love everything else about the order, but I was like, you assholes couldn't track the yeah. in-game collectibles that you were tied to a trophy. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's worth it because you get cool suits and it helps you with upgrades and stuff. So like I would play it that way regardless. But I actually do like that in those old games. Like I remember when I was playing uh, High Moon's Deadpool. I really liked yeah. how Deadpool was set up to where it's like find collectibles and it's going to give you different suits that give you different powers and stuff. I was like, that's actually a cool idea. It's I like that, that about the older games. I just bought Deadpool. Just came in oh, the other day. That game's great, actually. Yeah. yeah yep. Very, very, very slight. Uh, no, uh, it's Nolan no, North. North. No, North. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I meant Nolan North. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, got the, I got the French version of Brutal Legend today, so I'm curious to see if that uh, if is that, that is in English or not. <laughs> is that because English Brutal is hard Legends to get? Brutal Legend's also or? an awesome game. No, it's because I got that version for like $9, and it's normally like a $20 game. I didn't realize it was in French, but I guess I should have known. Here's the question, though. Is the game in French, or is it one of those uh, global releases that still has the English? Well, it has like a Tim Schafer game, and then it has that in French. Un jeu Tim Schafer. It's through a heavy metal fantasy world and combates dans un monde fantastique de heavy metal. (laughs) Man, I'll tell you, you really, I know why they call French the language of love now. (laughs) Yeah, it's hot, right? (laughs) de heavy metal. (laughs) You sound like you sound like a dude who's trying to do like a German Arabic take (laughs) on French. I don't even know what what the actual. You're using accents that don't go with it. That's all I know. <laughs> so, well, I remember uh, 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 Grey Poupon's advertising, right? Yes. Get yeah, Poupon. I do remember Grey Poupon. <laughs> so, yes. As Brett is calling out for Destiny help, I am calling out for Brutal Legend multiplayer help. This is where we're at as a podcast. <laughs> Brutal Legend has multiplayer? I was going to say, what yeah. game are we talking about? The Jack yeah, Black no, game, that's... right? Yeah, that was the game had multiplayer. Yeah, I think Since it's. It, uh, it might be online uh, co-op. Yeah, it co-op fifty win fifty match made multiplayer battles. Like, Matchmaking, bro. I didn't even know that game had online. Yeah. Well, now, ugh, okay. You gonna buy it? We play it online. Do it. Hey, dude, first of all, you already bought Two Worlds 2, and I'm supposed to play that with you. I can't make <laughs> too many promises to you, Chris. <laughs> Let's I back up would, for a second. Listen, I only need your help for a trophy in Two Worlds 2. If you don't want to play it after that, that's that's totally your prerogative. Well, we'll see. Watch Two Worlds 2 end up being our game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You never know. 
because oh, I, I do. <laughs> I like bad games. Oh, is this a segue like into community's take? <laughs> no, I was just could be. Perfect well, there's opportunity. No to be fair. <laughs> there's no, no time longer, like the present. It's been too long. All right. Well, I guess at that point, let's go ahead and move into the community's take. And that, of course, <laughs> is based off of last week's episode where we had the discussion of what makes us consider a game truly bad if we ever do consider games truly bad, as opposed to just not in line with your interests. And is there a line for you that exists there? Or is it simply if you don't like the game, you consider it bad, which, you know, I, f- I feel like plenty of people maybe fairly even do. Uh, so, Chris didn't get to do his thing. So, Chris, I want to put the soapbox up. I'm going to stand it up on its side, and I'm going to let you stand on there real quick and lay everyone down with what your opinions are about what makes a game bad or good uh, and why. No, I don't know. It was funny because I listened to the the podcast, obviously. Um, As I I said, you would. Yeah. The main thing I thought was funny was that I think you had this idea for the topic as like a subtweet towards me almost because and i just think you're you two are significantly harder on video games than i ever have been (laughs) so i definitely it it didn't come from me thinking that you're hard on games just to clarify that up yeah the the conversation came from you and i just talking about games and how often you and i see on on certain games see drastically differently and Uh, then i was like I was like, huh? But oh, and a good like, part of what made me think of it was when I was kind of going through my head again about you consistently calling uh, the Outer Worlds a terrible game, just to come back to it and fall in love with it. After I kept telling you that it was an amazing game, and it was one of those things where it's like, what makes a game bad? And then you have these moments where, and, and I even said this last podcast where sometimes something <clears> will happen <throat> in the game where it doesn't click with you, or something goes on, and you're just like, I, I think this game is just bad. And then for some reason you try to get laid and you're like, damn, I'm an asshole. This game is great. Yeah. It's happened. It's happened to me plenty of times. I assume it's happened to you before. I would assume it's also happened to Saul. It's it's almost like one of those universal truths where you make a mistake of either playing a game in the wrong mindset or you play a game when you're like like I like dead tired and you fall asleep and you blame that on the game, but it's actually just that you were tired and you're like, I guess the game was boring, so I'm not gonna play it anymore. You mm-hmm. know? So yeah, I don't continue know. on. For me, when I was listening, you guys were listing all these technical reasons games are bad. And for every one of them, I was like, no, I don't think that inherently makes a game bad. You know, I I don't know. It was just funny because I was listening to it and I'm like, I don't I don't think I think of any of these things when I think if a game is bad or not. I don't think that even comes into my head. Yeah, I think it depends because a good example of a game that goes directly in the face of what Saul was mentioning, and I agree to to some degree of like a minimum viable product of uh, frames per second, a game I absolutely adore and I urge people to play it all the time is Drake and Card 3. And that game is never at frame rate. Never. <laughs> and I love it. And I think it's a great game, but it's a great game hidden in a bad game shell. You know what I mean? Like that's no, it's, it's a, it's a it's a well-made game in some des- in aspects, and then it's a poorly made game in other aspects. I think it's got great combat, but that, ga- that combat is completely torn apart by the fact that the game can't run at a stable enough frame rate to make it ever feel smooth. Did you beat Dragon Guard 3? 100%, yes, I did. So what you're telling me is yeah, the, game the game was made not it slightly bad harder enough. to beat. 
No, yeah, you're telling me exactly. the game was so good that you finished it. So it's, it's it cannot be yes. a bad game, but it's not a bad game. I agree. Well, hold on. Let me, let me, I have a counter argument for you. Okay. If that's the case, then how do people play games to completion and truly rate them a one or a two? I think well, that they, that because you that's a different like re, for your job to finish a game and review it, you don't have to like it. But Brett is not being paid to finish Dragon Guard three and has decided that the game is good enough to finish. So the game is not bad. It's true. Also, Saul, just for clarification, are you talking about on the professional reviewer level? Or are you talking about people who go to Metacritic and give a game? It can be on any level. Or two? Anybody mm-hmm. who like okay. abides by the I'm going to play it before I review it kind of like mentality. I, yeah, I would say that some of those people are just going to do that out of I think that the, the validity of what they're even saying comes into play because a lot of people, I think, just troll. <coughs> they go on there and they're like, well, I didn't love the game, so I'm going to go in there and just call it a or, – or it's part of just people overreacting because – I it because it's just a good like you know fresh example of of that most people are aware of the order getting a two like I mentioned is always such a crazy thing because it's like I find it impossible that that game could sink to the level that someone could play it and then honestly look at it and say this is a two. Well, I'm, I'm not even saying that you have to like the game. I just don't see how you reach the the numerical value and, and just to, for reference, a two out of 10, not a two out of five, not like a, a little below half or whatever it be, but it is a, it, and it depends because a lot of those were troll people. You know, I didn't really find any reputable video game source that gave it a, a score that was so bad that made you really think like how, you know, it, it may not have been one that I agreed with, but, the order getting a five or a six or whatever is a completely reasonable standing point uh, for some of the complaints they levied against it. You know, it's kind of what we talk about when you read a review and occasionally you read a review and it doesn't even sound like the review they wrote matches the score they gave. Like I've seen people give a game a six and then I read the review. I'm like, you sound like you fucking love that game. Why is it a six? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And that's, but, but what you just said about the order is kind of proving my point, right? Is like the main qualm about what made that game bad was how short it was. So people played it, to completion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, you don't know a game's too short until you play it to completion, right? I know, so but you for don't play a game to compl- compl- like typically if you're talking about how bad a game is, you would want to at least play it to completion to see if it's bad all the way through because there have been good games I've played where I thought they were bad based solely off the ending. Yeah, that's like movies. When movies fall apart in the third act, and you're like, yeah. dang, I really liked the first two acts of that movie. Yeah, and then suddenly the third Deadpool act two. just kind of Deadpool two was real. real I, I really enjoyed it for the first half, and then the ending, I was like, "Yeah, this is kind of mediocre." So now, for now, since I watched it all the way through, Deadpool sits as a mediocre. Or if I quit watching it halfway through, it'd be good. That's all. That's all I'm saying is like technically, you can play something to completion and still call it a bad game on a personal level, not just on a professional reviewer level. I'm sure that somebody well, I can. Think- point out where they played a game to completion and the ending alone caused it to be a quote-unquote bad game for them. Because this is also... Let me ask you both this. Yeah, let me ask you both this. When when someone asks you, what do you think makes a game bad? Or uh, or uh, what what's a bad game? Just define a bad game or whatever it be. Do you think of that as an immediately subjective response or do you think of it as an objective level thing? Subjective. Like, do you think of... Okay. It's Im- I mean, I do too. Because they're asking me. Objective. 
But the, well, the whole conversation song. can't be objective. There is no objective bad game. There isn't. Every I, game I is agree good with to that. someone. I, I, I agree with that. cannot be anything think, objectively bad. I think there can be. Just on like a very minuscule scale, like games like that that launch that like literally, like <clears throat> they're made for like cash grabs for like mobile games, or like like or games that, that don't even launch properly, right? Like games like their whole intended thing is to download it so that you can like literally a copy and paste of like Grand Theft Auto because you see mobile ads like that all the time, like where it looks like Grand Theft Auto but it's not, and then when you download it, it's like stick figures kind of thing, right? And it was intended just for you to download the game for ads. That's kind of a yeah. That's kind of an example there, I would think, right? Like that's objectively a bad game because it's going off of a, a negative and a bad flaw I, on why the game. I agree, made. it's it is subjectively a bad game. Yeah, I still don't agree that that's objectively a bad game. I, I, I think, think it's a, objectively bad marketing, right? I, I think that that's a fair point. Is that the the marketing fails to actually tell you what the game is by way of fooling no, I you think, into thinking it's, it's something else? It's, but it's not objectively bad marketing because it succeeded in getting you to download it, which was the whole point of the marketing. That that's true. It's 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 bad and good in different ways. It's bad marketing in the sense well, that it doesn't actually represent something well, but it's good in the sense that it actually draws you to click through and do the thing. Yeah, but my point is, somebody likes that game. That's what I was about to say too. Is that there are plenty of <laughs> well, games that I know on. people are like, because, "Well, I like that game anyway." Well, you just said but, it yourself. Is you you just said objectively mm-hmm. it works, but subjectively it doesn't for marketing. You can't say it objectively a game is bad, but for some people it's good. So objectively, it's not good. Objectively, I'm doesn't, telling you that. Uh, Objectively, there's no no such thing as a bad game. Well, no, I'm saying I'm saying what Brett said. It's like you can't have oh, it both sorry. ways. No. Yeah, I, I, and just to be clear, I, did you think I said that games can be objectively bad? No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about how you were saying just now about how objectively the marketing the worked marketing. for the game, mm-hmm. but but it did not work well because it scammed. So technically, it's bad. But yeah, you can't, it's like a, you can't it, say that about that and then not say it about the game too. Because it at that can. point, of course you can. I don't. I don't think you can. It's contradicting yourself. No, it's not. It because absolutely the, is. If if one thing's bad for one person, it can be great for another. Right. So objectively, that doesn't mean for all parties it's bad. <clears throat> and if you say it, that, it, it, and if you argue that, go ahead. which do y'all agree? Like. If a no, game, yeah, I misunderstood your point. Whether yeah, else, I think. that's that's all I'm saying is like technically, you know, going off of that, it's that's how I feel. If 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 there's a two sides to everything, objective and subjective, subjective being the personal opinion and yeah, the personal think, feelings, then objective has to remain judged like it has to be neutral. Well, so, Saul, to your point, right, I think if we're going to look at this, I think that the, the reality that we're kind of skirting around within this is that when we really look at what we were talking about, and to answer the question of whether I actually think that there is such thing as an objectively bad game, I think I agree with Chris that you can't say that to the game as a whole. But I think the best way to really do this is to say, what lens are you looking at? So there are objective markers that you can look at and compare to other games and say, how does this compare against this game and this game? And then in that context of of an objective marker like resolution and how often it hits the target resolution or how often it hits frame rate that's a playable state or whatever it be that you can compare that within context of other things and say it's a it's bad in context to games in this sense but to Chris's point in the other side as I testified with uh you know with Drake and Guard 3 is that 
even when the objective standards that we might be able to put towards and say, we think that these are things that should make a bad game, the subjective nature can still overtake to the point where and a game that should be a failure because of not hitting certain markers still ends up being beloved and niche. And I think that's what makes this conversation kind of weird because, I mean, a lot of the answers I think are very similar as well in that. Well, to go towards Chris's point even further, there is nothing but a litany of bad games that people still love. Or, you know what I mean? Uh, when I say bad, games that are considered universally bad amongst the internet, you know, sphere. Uh, and yet, you'll see people being like, you know, despite the hate, I actually loved Fallout 76. Or I loved this game, you know? like. Well, let me so ask you this. So, are you saying that, so like what's, so you're saying that no game could be objectively bad, Correct. What about movies? No. Okay. So are you saying art as a whole cannot be objectively bad? Yes. So then what's the point of bringing up objectively in this conversation at all? I've never brought up objectively. No, no. I'm just saying in general. Well, I just mean in general. I've never said objectively anything's bad. And and you know what? I want to re... I want to... Because really what what was in my head, and I think objective and subjective were the wrong words to, to use there because as we're talking about, I think subjective is to the point... But really, and this is a weird conflation that may say more about the way I view video game media than maybe I should, but at least in the sense that a lot of people look towards video game media, even if that includes YouTuber people that they follow and trust and create a thing where they look at what they say and they go, I'm going to trust his opinion. I guess what I really meant by that, or what I was trying to get at, and I think I used really poor wording, is that... When you think of what makes a bad game, are you looking at what review scores from reputable, be it reputable on YouTube or things, are talking about and calling a bad game? Or are you looking at the everyday Joe who plays something and you just go, do you or don't you like it? And that being what I was leaning towards saying is more subjective of the everyday opinion versus the the establishment of games media that does tend to look at things through a more comparative lens and through a more contextual lens with markers like frame rate and well, and resolution and, and general you know it's, so that's I, that's what i was trying to get at and i i, I guess that's why i'm confused is reaching that point well that's why i'm confused about it because we i thought we kind of made it clear last episode this was all subjective yeah i think that's fair yeah, but the problem but it, was you were having an objective conversation about a subjective topic. That was the thing. You guys were running through like what, like frame rate, all this kind of stuff that is objective things in a conversation where there can't be any objectivity. Games can yeah, have. I, I think that's fair. Bad. It's definitely true. I listened to it four times so I could be prepared. <laughs> but, oh no, I'm saying like that's a fair point. Yeah, gotcha, like, gotcha. I'm not saying that's true. That's a fair point. Um, but, I so think, I think to, to Saul's point, or to, to, to my and Saul's defense of what we were saying, I think that the, the, the road that we were kind of traveling down with that conversation was really erring on the side of that there aren't, we don't, we're not looking at games as subjectively bad or, you know what I mean, objectively bad uh, because it's so subjective, but that because anyone can love any game, as I've given examples and as many of these answers have given examples, um, I think that Saul and I were both sort of talking more about things that tend to throw us off of games quick enough to where in our mind we go, that game is not something I look for when I th- or look at when I think of a good game. Well, hold on. Let me, let me rewind the conversation or a little whatever. bit. 
Go ahead. So, Chris, are you saying that a list of object, objective like problems mm-hmm. cannot influence your subjective opinion on the game? Correct. How how do you judge a problem then if it's not objective? If there's mm-hmm. not if because objectivity has to have a line, a morality line that can be crossed, and then when well, it's crossed, morality. Well, I yeah, was with you up until that. Well, not morality, but there has to be a line that has to be crossed for it to become objective. That's the definition of objectivity. No, it doesn't. I think games can have objective... There can be objectively bad things in games, and that doesn't mean the game is bad. That's my point. But but my whole point is, is how can you say what influences someone's subjective opinion? I'm not saying what influences anyone's opinion. I I just asked you that, and you said yes. I'm thinking that, like I said... A frame uh Fallout New Vegas running at one frame a minute is <laughs> is is objectively bad. Right. Fallout New Vegas is a is an incredible game to me. Okay. So how can okay. So on the reverse side of things, how can you say that I can't have this subjective opinion that I don't like Fallout New Vegas because the frame rate one's at one's at one frame? I never said that. You just said that. You you literally just said that. Yes, you did. A second ago, I I absolutely didn't say that. I just, I would never say that. Brett, did I not ask him (laughs) that he, you cannot use objectives for a subjective opinion? And he said, right. So let's, let's slow down because I think what's happening, there's some wires getting crossed here. I think the entire time that you were just talking to Chris and asking these these setup questions towards your point that you were building toward, I think Chris was looking as if, Chris, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, Chris, that you were, Answering as though you were filtering it through your opinion and what you think. Yeah. I don't think. I think. I think Saul was more meaning it in the broad, like as an everyone. And I think you were filtering it as for you. You think objective, you know, objectively bad markers of things that we're going to say are comparable or whatever, um, can be in there, and you can still love the game. But Saul's right. grander point, and I and I actually saw I like the way you phrased the question because I think it's a fair a fair point of. How does objectivity come into a conversation about subjectivity? I think you just answered the question is that your ob- objective markers can influence your subjective opinion. Correct. And I do think that that's a really fair point. And everyone's how much that does impact everyone's subjective opinion is going to differ greatly from person to person. There will be people like you or I sometimes where a game does that. And does it early enough that you throw the whole game out and go, it doesn't matter if the game's good within there. Cyberpunk is a great recent example of that. I think Chris and I, having both played Cyberpunk, despite all of its issues, be the first ones to tell you that that game sometimes just didn't even work. But do I still think it's a great game? You bet your ass I do. But it is. it has a lot of objective problems that have thankfully since been fixed. So I think that that is at the root of your thing because collectively the gaming sphere agree that Cyberpunk is a bad game, at least in terms of how we're going to discuss it in vague aspects to the point of quick, would you buy it or not? No. Why? Because it's bad because of this. And then everyone kind of let that go. But I think if you take it away from that macro level of looking at everyone having short conversations and then you pull that in, you're going to find those people who are more geared towards your statement of it ran so bad and so poorly that I couldn't even get through playing it. Ergo, bad game. It failed 
so hard that I couldn't even play it. And then you have people like Chris and I who, for whatever reason, suffered through it despite and thought the game is utter trash in how it was made. But the game itself is amazing, much like he's just said about New Vegas. So I think that that's the biggest... I think that you were talking on a broad spectrum and Chris was taking it as if you were asking him his personal spectrum. Um, well, but just I also to, don't just think... to clear up confusion. Well, okay. Well, you, I'll use myself as an example, right? I think every single objective marker you could make, or let's take everything you guys said last week, right? Every single objective sure. marker you guys threw out as what makes a game bad doesn't exist in Red Dead 2. None of it. I would argue almost none of it exists in Red Dead 2. Frame rate I think problems? Red Dead 2 is f- awful. I don't know. I didn't, well, I, I didn't get frame rate problems. But I think Red Dead 2 sucks. Well, hold on. Okay. Not, and I would say not a single one of the problems you brought up. Like, I don't think there's many frame rate issues. I think the game is gorgeous. It, even it the is. load times, not that bad. It runs. Story's great. Mm-hmm. I think it sucks. So even every objective thing being thrown out, I still think the game is bad. Because I think yeah. in the end, a bad game is only a bad game to the person talking about that game. Okay. There, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But but what I think I I think I said to Brett, which he didn't bring up, which before last week's show was if I think a game is bad, the game is bad. But well, okay. you may think it's but you may like it. Well let me ask you this. That, if if I said Red Dead to me is a bad game because of the frame rate, what would you say? Okay. That's exactly what I would say. Okay. okay. It, but it sounds like you're saying that you can't use markers objectively for a subjective opinion. No, I'm saying that the objective markers can exist, but I don't think they necessarily influence or they're they're the end all be all of someone's opinion. That's why I'm talking about Red Dead. I don't think there's any really any negatives objectively to that game. However, subjectively, yeah. I think it sucks. Yeah, I, I get his point. I mean, yeah, the I game runs at a great, consistent frame rate. Uh, has b- beautiful, like high, high resolution, high resolution textures. All things you'd look at as a quality, well-made game. And yet, the problems for people who don't, who are detractors of Red Dead, tend to come in. Oh, the simulation aspect, which is completely subjective as to whether you are in line with the vibe of simulation aspects and what it brings to a game, how it slows a game down in comparison to maybe a game like Grand Theft Auto, which doesn't lean into things that heavily. Well, and there's a, like, I'll use it. Maybe this will help or not. But like, it was a conversation me and Brett were having where I was watching Gotham, right? And I said, oh, I really like the show. And the first thing Brett said was like, well, be wary of the, sh- the bad CGI. I, uh, back up, that back up. That's not, absolutely that's nothing not, to me. That's not what I said. Just to, just to clarify, I haven't watched was, the show. I genuinely, yeah. What I said was, I've heard it's great. The only thing I've heard is that you got to keep your mindset in intact with the fact that it is a TV show on a normal network and not like HBO. So the effects aren't quite as good as maybe something from HBO Max. That's all I said. All I'm saying is that, <laughs> but that your point, means your point, absolutely stands. nothing to me. Literally, I just don't nothing. want people thinking I hate Gotham. I have never seen no, an episode. Never seen I Gotham. don't know what it looks like. <laughs> but my point is that, like, I think that's something that you would look at 
and be like the CGI in the show sucks. I don't like the show. Right? Is that am I wrong about that? Are you you're not entirely likely? wrong? I'll tell you. It's it, it makes me standoffish, which is a kind of what I was talking about before. I think Saul and I were both to some degree, and I know me. I can say to me, me for more certainty than him uh, was kind of talking of. Someone even said it in here. It's it's been so long since I've played a game and genuinely have thought this game is just complete ass and bad. It's more that I'll play a game and I'll be like, I can see why people... My go-to example is always Zelda um, Breath of the Wild. I don't think that there's any way that I could sit there and tell someone <clears throat> to their face, you know what I mean? Taking it away from me and pointing at someone else and, so, and yeah. someone else ask and go, hey, is, do you think Breath of the Wild's a good game? There's no way I could look them dead in the face and, and say Zelda Breath of the Wild's a bad game. Because mm-hmm. it's not. It's just a game that when I'm playing it, I wish I was playing anything else. That's essentially the best way I can describe it. And I think I think the problem uh, with having, I guess, casual conversations about this is that some people are dicks and they just assume that, oh, you say it's bad, that means you think everyone thinks it's bad. You know, and I think that's the problem. That's fair everyone too. Views, yeah. Everyone views their opinion as the absolute correct opinion. And nobody is capable. Like, I don't think I should have to say before every time I say Red Dead sucks, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I the, in have my to opinion, should be inferred. If you're, having, if you're having a conversation with me, it's my opinion. That's just like, like and I feel like that's where this all gets twisted up, is it's always my opinion. <laughs> Witcher 3 sucks, in my opinion. But if I'm yeah. having that conversation with you, why do I have to say it's my opinion? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not like you IGN, and I. I'm not a three letters. I'm a human being. So like, yeah, you and I can have a discussion about why you think. Like, say I've played Witcher three. You've played Witcher three. We can yeah. discuss between ourselves why we think it's good, why you think it's bad, and we can just discuss and learn more about each other's opinion on it. But I think to to add to your point, it's this thought process that happens in a lot of things where people get defensive because for some reason, when you say that you think something's bad and the, in my opinion, should be inferred, I think people do infer for the most part that it is your opinion, but I think that they tend to add on this weird mental thing that if they think it's bad, they probably think everyone who likes it is stupid for liking it. I can tell you why that is psychologically. blow up. Go ahead. So a lot of people... They don't have self-identity for themselves, so they latch on to certain things, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, brands. So the second you say something is bad, they're taking it as a literal insult to them because that has become their self-identity. That's why console wars exist for the most part. There are some people, and I'm not saying all, but there are some people that lean so hard into brands that when somebody says, this brand is not my favorite, I don't like it, they actually feel personally attacked on like a level of yeah. an insult and not of a, well, dude. Okay. Well, no big deal. But uh, no, I thought just to, to loop it back to fit in the end of that part of the conversation, I thought Chris, I thought you were saying you can't say you can't use objectives as an opinion picture for yourself to have a subjective opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, if you wanted to get into the minutia of it, I would even argue that the objective things that I'm willing to grant as objective are still subjective opinions. Like I still think a bad frame rate is still a subjective opinion. Even I think I think it just you, uh, it comes the, from the a three standard of us could define it right, and it's just the industry standard at that point. So that's for what me, I think too. If it deviates from standard, because because well, the, the 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 question there, right, Chris, is that 
uh, you could try and give it a, a broad standard of if the frame rate is unplayable, but there will be someone out there having an absolute blast playing a game at 15 frames per second. Like, and well, I will like tell you right now, Chris said, I would consider 15 frames per second unplayable. Yeah, like you Chris know? said, at Fallout New Vegas at one frame per second or something, it's Minute. better than Fallout New Vegas not yeah. existing at all or whatever. Right. Yeah. And see, like for me, so, it's like if it's a 30 frame per second game and it comes out in 2022. I'm automatically not against it, but I'm automatically like, I wish this was 60. But then if I play it and it has frame rate drops in it and it can't keep a consistent 30 frames per second and it's a it's a new game, no, dog, you you're you're done something wrong. Like, come on. There's something there is something that I I am automatically and I'm I'm holding you to that's my standard. That's that's become my standard due to the way that the industry has moved. Well, and the other side of this conversation that we didn't spend much time talking about, but I guess it's kind of the 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 viewpoint for people who look at this and say like they don't think of games as bad very often, whether we really realize it or not, a lot of um, a lot of curation to a degree happens kind of away from our eyes. A lot of curation happens through a lot of different means, be it media and what's put in front of you more often so that you have a higher chance of seeing it. Therefore, you have a higher chance of buying it. And when all that happens, the tendency is is that it's going to be a game that is not just atrocious more often than not in terms of those potentially objective markers that we are discussing right there, right? So the chances of you, saw getting a brand new game that was heavily marketed or at least marketed enough to put it in front of your face where you could see it and you thought, I think that looks cool. I want to watch. I'm going to grab that means that they're doing enough minimum work to where when you start that game, even if it's a 30 frames per second cap, you know that for the most part, it's going to be in the 30s with maybe the occasional drop to the mid to, you know, mid to high 20s, right. like 25 to 28. And that... I think you'd agree if those aren't too common, that's not like a big detour from a game. It's it's unfortunate, but it's more like you say when a game is consistently dropping in the low 20s where you start being like, what's going on well, here? Yeah. But and we're for in me, this time period where... Oh, go ahead. Go I was going to say, just for me, a lot of these standards are like AAA games. Like if I play an indie game and you're not holding frame rate, I'm a little more, for, or I'm a little more forgiving. Um, but like how that you was said, the other side of what I was going to bring up. Yeah, yeah, is that we live in an industry where a lot of these things happen by a lot of people because of how much options there are out there. They accidentally funnel themselves into playing more AAA, and AAA has better quality control than a lot of indies, and that's a good thing for the most part. But then also, even when you're playing indies, as uh, as Macho Man Randy Savage would say, the cream rises to the top, and you tend to hear about and end up seeing more about really well-made indie games because of that. And that curation is happening without you even realizing it. It's getting pushed forward from a lot of different people pushing and pushing and pushing it because they're seeing great things about it. And so you see it more often and you have a higher chance of getting it. The reality is, is that I don't think anyone who I know none of the three of us and probably maybe even anyone who's listens to this podcast has played Life of Black Tiger. The only reason any of us know it exists is because we watched someone else play it and it looks atrocious. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, someone still loved that game. So it's it's a weird thing because I feel like, for the most part, quality control is at such a point to where between quality control itself and then the way that natural word-of-mouth marketing happens for both indie-scale games and even uh, AAA-level games means that most of the time you're not going to play a game that has those objective problems. It's still They still creep through, 
but like cyberpunk, but it's not nearly as common. So uh, please, though, go ahead, Saul. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to say it's a good example of this is um, to one of your favorite, or I say favorite, but one of your most liked games of service games, Anthem, where for me, yeah. Anthem was less than 30 frames per second constantly. It took me like 20 minutes yep. to log in. Like that there, for me, like that's that's when the game is bad. Um, yeah. That is not been able to play the game, and when I finally could play the game, it's automatically way below standards for a multi-million dollar studio to work on. Uh, it's that's that's where the lines are drawn. Like for me, pretty clearly. But for you, you liked the game, and the gameplay for you was so good that it that it did not matter for the flaws. And I often think well, that. And the the other weird thing of gaming is that I I didn't face nearly the amount of bugs that I know you did. Like in discussing right. with you, I never had an issue logging into the game. I never had the frame rate drop below like a twenty eight, maybe. Now, you know, there'd be times where it'd like it'd get rocky for a split second when something big was going on, and then it would get bounce right back up. And I'm like, oh, that, that's fine, that's reasonable. There's servers and stuff. I mean, Destiny does that for you know. So, <laughs> well, and and for me too, I think it's important to note that there are some games that have been solely deemed masterpieces because they have overcome the technical issues they had due to gameplay or storytelling. So. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I know for sure that I've played games where I'm like, dude, this game had some issues, but the way that the story was told or the way that the game actually played made all those issues. Like, actually, Death's Gambit, I couldn't even get past a certain point in Death's Gambit at launch. I got to the point where I could, we yeah. went to like the underground futuristic area, and it it, it, it crashed on me just every time. And every, yeah. every you remember profile I made, but I still consider the, that the a good game. skeleton boss... Yeah, I did too. You remember the skeleton boss where he picks you up in your hand and it would crash on my PS4 Pro every single time? Yeah, I think, was that during the And I had to reach out to the developers. Uh, Yeah, I think that did happen. Uh, But I had to reach out to the developers and ask why. And it turns out it was right when PS4 Pro was coming out and they said, you have to turn off uh, boost mode. And as soon as I did that, worked perfectly. And see, for me, that's the art. Your mileage may vary is a big aspect in why there's such disparate opinions, let alone from what your preferences are. But that's a big part of why I think that there's such disparate opinions because there are situations where Chris, a good example for you recently is that you were playing Infamous 1 and you said your Infamous 1 disc was apparently just screwed, right? Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, so weird weird thing is I would not be surprised if you took you gave me your exact disc, your one that didn't work, sent it to me. I put it in my PS3 and it works flawlessly. Because even the systems themselves and how the silicone changes between different manufacturing processes are his being a slim or a super slim and mine being either a super slim or a original. Uh, cuz Chris, you play on an original slim, correct? No, yeah, uh, yes, yeah. Okay. So that being said, Games can sometimes end up getting crapped on and saying, like, this game has terrible performance problems, and it turns out that you're one of a very few little sliver of people that had it. The Last Guardian. Dude, Skyrim. Everyone had issues with Skyrim, and I was the opposite side of that. I played through the entirety of Skyrim, watching my save hit that 50 megabytes size that they warned about, and I was was in dread. Was that a thing? Every time I'd play the game. Yeah, it, it, the same thing exists in New Vegas and Fallout Three. <laughs> it's it's most prevalent in I never, New Vegas. I think I had like a couple crashes on Skyrim, but I never had anything other than that. I'm yeah, like oblivious so you know to the, clear the case. The more you play, and the constantly. more you, 
Yeah, yeah. But you know, the more you played Skyrim and the more you cleared the map and met things, it would continue to add on to your save file because I had to keep up with so much more things. But basically, if you played roughly 70 to 100 hours, depending on how you played the game, you would reach a 50 megabyte save file. And typically, the game would just start acting real crazy right there, crashing all the time. Uh, and I thought that was going to happen to me. And I watched mine crawl over 50. And I said, huh. And then I kept watching it. And then I, I, by the time it was done, I think my original PS3 save was like 75 megabytes. And I never had a single issue out of it besides a glitch with the uh, Daedric uh, Mace. And that was that had nothing to do with the save file from what I could tell. It was just a, a somewhat – it was a problem even on the Xbox One and PC versions. So – it was weird that I was the complete outlier when I think everyone would agree that Skyrim PS3 was like this perfect example of a cyberpunk level game. And yet the game I played <laughs> wasn't that at all. I would agree. So opinions are a really interesting thing. Um, I think but before we move on to some of the communities takes answers so we can kind of go and give our thoughts on those before we head into the news. Is there any kind of closing that you want, Chris, since uh, this is kind of your your coming back in your, your rebuttal territory? <laughs> No, I mean, we, we talked about most of it. I, I Like I said, to me, it's just funny because I think you guys are more... Uh, um, you said harder on games, right? Yeah, harder on them than I actually am, which I just found funny because I think you got that the topic more because of our conversations. Yeah, but it did. wasn't because I thought you were harder on games than me. Just, just oh, to, sure. just. I mean, I know that's one of those things where it's a, it's a lot of inference, right? Like, I don't actually, Chris, I don't have no clue how hard on games you are because, really, even when we vocalize, I would say that I tend to be like Anthem and Cyberpunk being great examples. I tend to be incredibly forgiving on games that are pretty rough. Uh, in terms of the objective markers that we were kind of talking about with uh, those things. And yet I'll tell you right now that like one of the things that I know you and I disagree on at a high level Mm -hmm. is I feel like for the most part, rockstar games, third person shooter shooting mechanics feel subpar to me in comparison to a litany of other third person shooters. And I know that you disagree with that. I do. (laughs) So, But I don't think that that's me being like excessively hard on Grand Theft Auto. I just kind of like you talked about, I just don't like to play the game because I don't like the way that that shooting feels. Yeah. And that's strictly it. So I'm not right. being, I don't, I don't walk around and say Grand Theft Auto 4 blows ass because I think that the third person shooting mechanics could be better. Why would you say nah, something like that? I think it's a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would I can't you believe you said that. Blake, Plus, man, but like it is the that reason that I dread replaying it crazy if that makes sense but yeah it's just i don't know like if i ever for me it's just a matter of like people should just realize that like if me and you are having a conversation and i go your take is garbage it's because i think the opposite it's not because (laughs) objectively the shooting is good objectively the shooting is however you feel about it yeah maybe you should call other people's takes garbage when they're when we just establish that it's opinion (laughs) we had this conversation like a month ago in a really kind of parallel way of like talking about the way games are reviewed, right? And it kind of based around yeah. you finding someone whose tastes are like yours. Because if you follow something like IGN, you know, you may not agree with this person who reviews Mario or Mario Kart on DS, but then the guy who reviews Mario Kart on Switch might be right up your alley. Yeah. 
No, you're, you're not wrong. Um, you know, Saul, you were talking about earlier games that overcome technical problems to still become beloved. As I mentioned at the very beginning of this, PS3, 360 era, Nier, and Dragon Guard 3 on PS3 are games that have a lot of technical problems. In all honesty, Dragon Guard 3 significantly worse than Nier, and yet people love those games. They are beloved. Yeah. So, and that's why I think it, it's a lot of different little ties that that tie a knot that make the game bad for me, not just one. Yeah, most of the time. I th- I do Sometimes think it is. The the yeah. The only thing I'll say is that I think for the most part we've skirted a lot around actual gameplay, even though in a in a weird sense we kind of did talk about it. But I think Chris ended up being rightly so focused on the fact that we. Uh, went more towards what we're now calling as means of this episode, more objective markers uh, to point at when we think a game leans us towards being like, maybe I want to step away from it. Uh, but really at the end of the day, pure gameplay. If you play a game and you enjoy it, almost anything else can be bad about it. If the gameplay loop hooks you and conversely, yes. if the gameplay is straight ass, but the story and the characters and everything else are amazing. You can pull through a game that you think plays terribly and still love it. And for the most part, to be honest, I think most Telltale games that were pretty beloved are are in that thing. Those games don't play well. They're great you know, movies. They're just, exactly, but that's they're still beloved because they overcome their gameplay failures by having incredibly interesting characters and stories and the choices that you can make. So. Uh, but I think that's a good way to wrap up the conversation within ourselves until maybe we get some more input from uh, the community. So, Saul, I'm going to go ahead and let you grab. I think Twitter had the most responses. So I'm going to go ahead and let you grab a f- couple off Twitter. Yeah, a name I don't really recognize, KYG. He says, Oh, oh that's Kyle Grimm. It is Kyle Grimm. Yeah, never mind. I saw his hand or his actual handle and I was like, Wait a second here. Um, but it, Kyle says, If I don't like a game that I don't consider, I don't consider it bad. But I'm sure there's the bad quote-unquote games i tend to find good because my interest in the game i'm very open to all kinds of games so if my interest is there for me not to or if the interest is there for me not to like a game it takes a lot tom clancy's breakpoint is that for me so yeah Yeah. it's it's, if, if game interest is high even though there may be kind of what we're talking about maybe game interest is high but then the stuff that is involving in the game you don't typically like low frame rates, you know, graphics not being up to par, whatever it may be, gameplay bad. But if there's something in there that's pulling you, then it kind of all works out in the end. Yeah. Um, um, also, shout out to Kyle for being a, a patron. We yes, appreciate you, sir. Our boy. Who Also, I know that summer's coming up, so good luck with the yard business, man. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I had yeah. to mow this weekend to do a bunch of yard work, and it was 90 degrees here, and I thought... I can't believe it's going to get hotter than this soon because <laughs> this is this is hell. So for people who mow other people's yards for a living, you are worth every penny that you charge, and I hope that yeah, you, you do not die of heat stroke this summer. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. Um, the, the ghost of Blake Popes, he says, a, a bad <laughs> game is when it's on a plastic box I do not like. Mm, very fitting coming a, from Mr. Popes. A dig, a dig for those people who... Obviously, say games specifically console exclusives are bad because they're not on the other console. Um, a dig on fanboys from one of the biggest fanboys I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, hey, look for a second. Let's let's really talk about that because what I find so weird about that 
is when people are looking at Halo Infinite and saying that Halo Infinite's bad because it's an Xbox exclusive. You're wrong. And not that Halo and not that Halo Infinite's bad maybe because of it's a completely bad. empty and lifeless open world or online servers that can't keep in time so people can stab you through the back even though they're in front of you for some reason like you know how many pointers there are to where you can actually say that there are issues with halo and i still even wouldn't call halo infinite bad it's got bad issues within a game that i think has the potential and has given potential i've shown that potential to have incredibly fun gameplay in the multiplayer and pretty fun gameplay in the story but a world that doesn't make that gameplay worth doing (laughs) but that's a it's just i find that so weird that people are just like halo infinite's bad because it's on xbox bro play the game at least if you want to look for something that could be bad there's plenty of opportunity it's ripe with opportunity there's other games that are on playstation that are ripe with opportunity as to why you can call them bad that's true um I mean, Babylon's Fall is on PlayStation. That's an exclusive, baby. (laughs) You guys see that Babylon's Call has one concurrent player? Oh! Bruh, tell tell the guy at Square Enix to go home already. I'm not going to lie to you. And maybe this is part of my uh, neurosis. I can't think of the word. Holy holy crap. Neurosis, yeah, that's the one. Um, I kind of want to buy Babylon's Fall and get the platinum just because I know it's going to go away soon. Actually, you know what? That'd There's probably that be a pretty rare platinum to have. That's what, no, that's what I'm saying. Well, it is it is platinum game. So if you're gonna get Shut anything, up. I mean, go for it there. Uh, uh, DWH. Go, okay, go ahead. Get or, the, I'm sorry, DW Hilton. Mm-hmm. He says I consider a game "quote unquote" bad when it's not fun to play. The only recent game I can think of is Anthem. Actually, uh, that yeah, single game yeah. changed the way I pre-order purchase titles these days. That one wasn't it for me, I, but. Dude, that that second half though, I think is completely fair. Yeah, yeah. Because even even if you don't think the you can talk about game, right? If he thinks Anthem's not fun to play, that's completely fair. But in terms of pre-ordering and purchasing Anthem, the fact that Anthem was just completely abandoned is it is a good example of why you shouldn't buy into the hype of certain publishers when they don't show enough to capitalize on that hype even though i love that game i think that's a completely fair statement and when people talk about cyberpunk a game i also loved as being an example of why you want to change pre-ordering habits that's a completely fair point uh, it's probably the most fair point that i've seen speaking of abandoned did y'all hear the the new news about abandoned this week no no what happened no neither did anybody else um next up <laughs> we have our good buddy Stefan swanlin <laughs> He says, there are a lot of janky games I still love to play through because of the story, character, world, and vibes. But when gameplay is truly broken, I can't enjoy that. A recent example of a game that I played is ReCore. Even in the definitive edition, the lock-on slash targeting was spastic. You know what? And speaking of lock-on, our good buddy Ryan, uh, he says, a game you can't play without using auto lock-on. So in the same vein of that, I guess, I've never played ReCore. That's the one made by Mega Man, right? Yeah, it was made by the Mega Man creator. Mm. At the Xbox exclusive, there was like a girl, like a little robot, I think. It was. Yeah, that was it. In like a desert looking planet. I'm going to be honest. I've been wanting to play it for a while, but not because of anything other than sheer curiosity. And he almost killed every bit of that curiosity. Well, I'm going to be honest. There's this weird thing, right? And I don't know if this could be a personal thing. Y'all might understand what I'm saying. But like, can y'all look at a game and be like, that game a little janky. Like, like just looking at it, like, I, mm, the game looked a little off. And that's, I've had that with two instantly with two games, and that's Sunset Overdrive and Recore, where I'm just like, there's something Sun- about this game that's just, I don't Sunset know. Sunset Overdrive is sick. 
It probably is. Here, here's the weird thing about si- Sunset. I actually, I half agree and half don't. There's so many things I like about Sunset. And then there's also this thing about looking at it where I'm like, something about this feels off. And then when I played it, that translated into the game where I'm like, this, I feel like this should be fun, but it feels cumbersome. Yeah, like I can't, it's not that something looks wrong or looks bad or looks good or it's just something looks off. Like it's almost like it's a signature look that that game has that I don't. I'm not. I a do big think fan the game of. has a signature style that most other games don't have. I don't know if it's that. I just remember that they that they showed it, and I was like, it looks cool, but at the same time, I'm not digging it. And then when I finally got it and played it, I was like, oh, dang. I, I'm not saying I was right, but my initial impression of like two or th- two or three hours of play was not enough to overcome my feeling of that. The game just doesn't feel cohesive in there enough it was a very interesting time yeah it's it's one that i've actually wanted to go back and play now record i don't i don't have any interest in playing record there's at least some style in sunset overdrive right like the, mm-hmm. the art looks really cool the characters look really cool from what i've seen you play the the gameplay is, has is really stylish mm-hmm. but the promotional tier material for it just did something weird to me record was the same thing but record <laughs> just looks bland it reminded me of Devil May Cry reboot because of the like uh, the energy drink that turned people into monsters. Because that was like the that, entire story that of is the story Devil May Cry, Devil reboot. Cry isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I beat that game uh, in an afternoon. That game was really good, but it was really short. Yeah, I actually think the Devil May Cry reboot was amazing. Me and you were hanging uh, out that, that day that I went and got it, weren't we? Yeah, we were. I beat that game that we day. Sure were. Uh, let's I, I'll get I one more. Off I really Twitter. understand. Uh, actually, there is no. There's none left on. Twitter. No, you, you got them all. I did. You're good. All right, I'm gonna go grab. Uh, we have two from our patrons over on uh, the Discord, where you can join by going into the description of this video or this podcast and clicking the link to enter in. We'd love to have you. We have a dedicated section for for the community's sake, and over there, Rude Days ninety three, one of our longtime patrons at this point. Thank you. He says two factors for me. First one is what reviews are saying. Sixty or lower to me is considered uh, in bad game territory. I know many are skeptical of review scores, but it takes many bad review scores to get lower than a sixty. Just like getting above a ninety takes many good reviews. The second one is the player base. If the game has very few playing it like Babylon's Fall did this week and the casual audience isn't joining, I consider it failing into or falling into bad game territory. Now, this is a weird moment because this is a you know, I hate saying this word because it's it's loaded with so many other political factors, but the privilege of being oh, able no. to look at a game and thinking a 60 is bad. And I'm not even saying he's wrong. You can, you have every, it's, that is your prerogative. But it's interesting because if anything, a 60 should mean that the game is, is like mediocre, slightly above mediocre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, I get what he's saying. Like, right. Like, I do too, though. The way I, averages do, work, I, I agree. That should tell you. Yeah, that and, that, and for anyone who may not realize, he is talking about aggregate review, review scores, so right. like a Metacritic score or an Open Critic score. And see, for me, I don't disagree with him because he, he can't. It's subjective, right? Or his. It, this is his subjective opinion. So I can see where he's coming from. Uh, I guess I can disagree a little bit. That I think that sometimes it, it is worth playing those games, or at least looking further into them than that. Because there might be something mm-hmm. in there that um, you like, and you never would have checked it out, right? If you just went by the review score, um, 
I think I think the side of that to really think about, and and I pulled it up because we talked about it earlier. So Dragon Guard Three is a game that's Metacritic score is at sixty one. But and this is where I think that there is a very important difference that we didn't really talk about earlier. But the difference between the gaming habits and likes and expectations of the gaming media versus general users and and what their interest is. The user score for Dragon Guard Three is an eight point one, and I think often. There are games that score in this territory range that the player base feels vehemently different about. And I think this is a pretty good example. 8.1 means that there is a 20-point difference in what the community thinks versus what the reviewer people think. And I would agree in the sense that I think that even if, you know, in terms of reviews, maybe it deserves some sixes here and there, whatever, I think I agree that I wouldn't look at this game and call it a 61. So it's you you run the risk. It's a good way to operate, but you run the risk of missing out on games that you could love. Unfortunately. Right. That's kind of that's kind of the excitement about buying games day one, though. I know that sounds weird, but buying games without looking at reviews at all and just when it releases, buying it because you strictly thought it looked cool. It, it's kind of that equivalent to what people think when they think of um like, I'm going to go into the record store and just pick up a, a CD or a vinyl and buy it because I think the, the art looks cool. You could be yeah. incredibly disappointed, but it's still fun when you do it and then it turns out that that album slaps. You're like, mm-hmm. yes. I've, I've done that multiple times, actually. Hot Topic used to have vinyl sales where they'd be buy one, get one a dollar on their <coughs> um, on their clearanced out vinyl. And I would yeah. just go and I'd look at the album art and I'd be like, that looks kind of cool. I wouldn't listen to the band at all. I would buy one vinyl I knew I wanted that was on clearance, and then I would buy one for the one dollar that I was taking a chance on. And I found three bands that I still love to this day by just getting three random vinyls that I thought that looks cool. I want to listen. Is that to how it. you found Shrezzers? And I actually saw found Shrezzers and then yeah. uh, shared them with me. It was good times. So good. Uh, just to throw it out there, I'm not exactly sure what's happening on Saul's side, but it is a, it is nearing 8 o'clock our time, uh, and he does have something he has to do. So if Saul ends up dipping out for the rest of the episode, that is why. I know he has to get ready. Um, I'm assuming that he didn't mean to flick off, so something else might be happening right now. No, uh, he but that said, did that on purpose. <laughs> I mean, he, he did, but I'm saying like I think that, that must be that his wife came in. You know, oh, gotcha. And he's just trying to not have her on camera or on microphone. So with that said, let's go on to the next answer for the community's take. Uh, Shafedog247, another patron, he says, A game is bad, in my opinion, when it takes longer than, say, 30 to 45 minutes to grasp the control scheme. Also, fighting with a camera to view the action I'm involved in or find a specific item then never quite becomes visible due to poor camera decisions, leaving me wandering aimlessly in a room searching for what I can't see. I could deal with poor graphics or even a lackluster store, uh, story, but if the gameplay works against me, then I consider it bad. That sounds like a game hurt you, and <laughs> you're just not naming your abuser. <laughs> that was like this, a very targeted set of things. Th- this, is, this is blondes. Amber Heard's Washington Post. I hate Post. blondes with a necklace <laughs> that says Denise and her black canvas shoes. I hate women like that. Like, okay, that's very specifically your wife, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Look, now I need to know. Yeah, what us. game are you talking about? Tell us, Richard. You talk about the Order what? 1886. 
I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> like, very close. <laughs> I don't remember there being any camera issues in that game, but I, I, it's weird. I can't even think of a game right now, but I know I've played games where I've been like, this fucking camera <laughs> will not do what I needed to do. It's probably how the ghost of Blake felt when he was playing Devil May Cry. Because <laughs> I tell you, dude, Devil May Cry 1 has the absolute worst <clears throat> cameras of probably any game I've ever played. I think that's absolutely... T- I, the game is that's the right. game has got great characters and story, and even the gameplay could be cool, but trying to play a hack and slash with a set camera that looks like it's trying to be a horror game does not work. It just no. doesn't. That's why DMC2 is the best one, even though that seems to be a rough opinion. <laughs> I'm a big DMC2 yeah. guy. I, I, I also have the opinion that I don't think it's a bad game. I do. I no. think it's like the cream of the crop for DMC, not even remotely. I mean, but well, it's a DMC good game? five yeah. exists. So DMC five does exist. DMC three oh. also exists. The only one that I played and just like didn't love immediately, and I've never gone back to replay it was four. I got like yeah, an hour or two into four. I wasn't feeling it. It's funny because the only one I own is four. Got that on PS three. I think got Nero the- is a cool character and the sword blade and everything. That's all cool, but there's a bonus DVD the in here. What? <laughs> Look at you. You didn't even know. No. I just bought this version because it has a steelbook, and steelbooks are the best way to buy it. Steelbooks are the best way to buy it. I love steelbooks. I saw, so I've cool. already given the uh, the warning that you may have to be bouncing out soon, so we'll keep going through until I didn't even bounce, realize, okay? Yeah, I didn't realize what time it was until I walked out there. I was like, she's like, are you going to get ready? I'm like, ah, well, nope. Not right now. <laughs> hey, like do, you, do you think, man, if, if you got to bounce, you got to bounce. It'll be okay. Uh, we're going to grab... Yeah, we're going to grab the last... I'm going to grab one more, and this is going to be Josh Farmier. He says, that's a tough one. My friends and I loved Fallout 76, even at launch. Yeah, it was aggravating with the bugs and whatnot, but we still got stuff done and had fun doing it. But we're overall bad game. I'll have to go with the most recent thing, and that's Babylon's Fall. A lot of hate given to Babylon's Fall this episode. Sorry, Platinum. Uh, he says, and I only played I'm the demo sorry. with a friend. The party up system was way too complicated. To join a friend's mission was complicated. It was just all over a convoluted mess. And for a games as a service, that is not a good starting point. <laughs> that's the that's potentially your death knell coming in. So uh, I'll quickly add in Matthew Greens because that's like how quick it is. He says, I've never really considered a game as bad. I play them and might say, no, not for me, but I've never thought they're bad. Uh, which I think plenty of people are going to land on so very uh, utilitarian yeah i mean as we've all said there are games that we've played like chris and i are going to uh, relatively soon i imagine embark on two worlds two <laughs> and we'll see what comes of it we might chris my hope is at absolute worst we end up loving it because it's bad in the same sense that twilight's bad oh y'all keep saying you're telling me we're just to twilight it's my game of the year. i love it yeah oh, I, I, say, I don't I know that it, it is but I was laughing when I told you with all the glitches that were happening when the game first launched. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So if we if the game has not really fixed any of that, but we can continue to play through it together, it might be one of the most fun times I've ever had playing a game simply because it's broken. That's worse. Or it's just bad, like bad writing and bad delivery, which is totally possible. So we'll really definitely see. You got to play uh, Deadly Premonition. That game is a classic. Oh, I've heard that, that game is like it is utter garbage in the best way. It's it's incredible. It's the room of video <laughs> games, but it's better yes, than the it's room. The what of video games? The, the room. room. Oh, oh, I thought you said the rumor. I'm like, what is that? No, no, the you know the room. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, yeah. I can't uh, oh, hi. 
So anyway, that ends up the community's take section. Thank you to everyone who gave your responses. We appreciate them. I think it led to some interesting discussion as well as Chris. I'm glad that you got to come in. As soon, I know as soon as we were talking last time about it, you were like, of course, the episode I can't be on. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of can't being on, I'm not going to put it out there, but is your situation better? Yeah, my, I'm like 70%, I would say. Okay, that's good. good. <laughs> I meant to ask you that before we started recording and I completely dropped it, but... uh my bad. All right, going into oh, the news for this episode real quick. Uh, first thing I'm going to do is actually EA and FIFA have officially split as of today. EA announced on its blog that from now on, all football games from the what? company would be under the EA Sports Football Club or EA Sports FC name. For its part, FIFA vows to continue the FIFA name in gaming and attempting to stay at the top of the football game. This is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Because as somebody who doesn't really get to see a lot of these things happen because soccer, as it's called in America, is handled so differently. And I, li- I like it. I do enjoy it. But because we don't have like the teams or anything around, I tend to not really get involved in like the, oh, yeah, that's my FC or anything like that. I don't get the club mentality of it because we don't have that. Uh, and I don't like football to that degree. So I don't pick up on i assume maybe it's similar to what people feel like in regards to their teams um here in america but with that being said one of the responses that we got earlier um as a response to the news in our discord was from uh mark um one of our patrons and he was talking about the (laughs) fifa being Essentially as greedy as as EA. So he says, must make for some interesting negotiations over the years. After all, one is a huge money-grumming bunch of assholes bent on milking the fans for every penny whilst pocketing cash through every conceivable method, and so is the other one. So <laughs> I don't know much about FIFA, but this, the, this is kind of what I was curious about. If Do you think Sony mainly gave in to the MLB because they were worried that they might eventually be able to partner up with someone who can make a game that was as competitive or even remotely competitive with the show and it might take away some of their things. So they just thought, hey, make the show multi-platform. We'll sell more copies as a result and we won't lose. There won't be any more competition in the MLB (coughs) space. Whereas EA has been talking about this move for quite a while. And as a result, there is a chance that FIFA finds another developer another publisher somewhere and says make us a good sports game and go and it might do it but fifa has been the absolute king of sports games for so long i does ea sports fc does that does it just carry that legacy because people know it was ea game or do you think if fifa actually finds a new developer to put the fifa name under that the the new fifa games will actually do well just off of namesake alone I uh, I don't know. It entirely depends on how fast FIFA moves. FIFA's like calls up Konami and is like, "Here, you want to change your name? Maybe <laughs> it, it's possible." But it's, it's I, don't, take I don't. I don't have a strong opinion years. on uh, what, what's it called. It's not even PES. It's not Pro Evolution it's Soccer, Soccer anymore. Club or something dumb like that. It's a terrible name. I remember that much. I was like, Pro Evolution Soccer isn't it sounds E-Football? way better. I think, I think you're it's right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad name. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I love. I, I, I'm going to grab FIFA 22. I just refuse to buy it because FIFA 21 was a broken mess that they never fixed. Well, you don't need to buy it. It's free on PS Plus. Exactly. I don't have to buy it now, so I'll play it for free. I enjoy those games, and hopefully, my career won't be uh, not logged correctly because I don't even see how you get the platinum in FIFA 20 or 21 because the game literally does not keep up with what it says it's keeping up with. So, like, I don't. Whatever it be, uh, saw. So I doubt you have any opinion on this. But it, <laughs> I just want to see Andrew just to throw that out there. Fight. We'll do that. I'll tell Andrew, hey, we have FIFA 22. Your weak shit might do a little better this year. <laughs> right. Uh, before we break into the news, this is where I'll take my leave. But I forgot. Um, I don't know if they want to remain anonymous because he he DM'd me on Discord. But I had somebody okay. ask me what this book was. And it's the HP Lovecraft like collection. Here, I'll get it real quick. Oh, is it the compendium? Sweet. They said the third book from the left. I, I don't think they can see the notebook that's there. If that's if so, that's Dune. But this is just this right here is uh the complete Ed fiction for his complete tales and poem. HP Lovecraft. While we're showing big books that are compendiums. Yeah. This <laughs> uh, is Chris, like, you want to throw a big book into the camera? Yeah, Your camera's been frozen Shaman the majority King of the show. So. It's a manga. Uh, oh, I got manga. Look at berserk. Oh, oh the dessert oh. the, the deluxes. And then the normal ones. I have I the rest of them. I got my Berserk up there. there. I got one, uh, one Planetary. That's a pretty good comic book. Oh, let me hit y'all with something real quick. Hold on. Go for it, Saul. Hit me with something real quick. Wait a minute. That sounds sexual. Is that a Final oh. Fantasy thing? It kind of looks like it, doesn't it? Ooh, Final Fantasy 10? 13. Thir- oh, that's 13? That's the collector's edition guide. I don't know how much this. Oh, is, it's oh, a guide. Wow. I don't know how much this this puppy is worth. You know, but uh, people sleep on thirteen. Thirteen to, is a fantastic. Mister Mister Toxic Gecko sent me the Resistance uh, Two. Was it Resistance uh, Two? I thought it was guide. Resistance One. Twenty two dollars. It might have been. Pretty sure it's Resistance Two. It's sitting in there, but uh, you know. But I feel like I would. just... Guides are weird. I've I've literally never used a paper guide in my life. No, hold on. I, I take that back. Kingdom Hearts One. I had to, at the very end, to figure out how to finally get Ultima Weapon. And I had to borrow oh. someone's because I'd never owned one up to that point. <laughs> I was like, listen, <laughs> I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And I finally figured it out. I had to use that for Ultima Weapon in Final Fantasy VII. Chocobo mm. part was annoying. The Ultima Weapons are normally where you get caught up. They made Ultima Weapon incredibly easy to get in Kingdom Hearts 2 by comparison. <laughs> but if... Uh, but it's, still, it's still hard to get. I'm not trying to downplay it. I'll, uh, but anyway, Saul, you gotta, yeah, you gotta take your leave. You'll hear me, my opinion next week um, on the topic, of course, like we just did with Chris. Um, yeah, if... Uh, hold on. I was gonna say something else. Oh. If y'all want to... Oh, she had a cat. Um, what? Video viewers are getting to see a cute kitten. I just want that to be out there. Oh, yeah. Wait. Known. Oh, I thought it was mine. Must it's not a kitten, but it's, it's, it's Kit Kat. Um, but if y'all oh, want, here soon, we can come up with Don't another like a fun streaming episode. I thought how fun those were. So, Yeah, we can definitely pull that so, off. It's all be good till... Uh, Tell Annie I said hey, and y'all have a good night. Yes, y'all too. Uh, All right. With that being said, Mr. Chris, 
Let's keep right. going on this show right here. Owners of the vanilla version of Dying Light are in for a surprise as Techland announced that all players would receive the enhanced edition for free, which I assume is a next-gen version of the original Dying Light. Nope, that's just all the DLC. Oh, really? Yep. Well, wasn't that already the case? Oh, I guess <laughs> no. The originally the DLC they added the car was bought was paid for DLC, wasn't it? The Awakening yeah. or whatever. Reckoning. Mm-hmm. What was it called? The following. Following. There you go. I, I still have never played that game. Insane, uh, incredible game. You you never ended up finishing Dying Light Two though, did you? <laughs> I never started it. <laughs> Those PS3 games taking too it. much precedence, but yes. Yeah. You know what happened? You fell in love with Elden Ring and you just completely put Dying Light That's, to the side. Yeah. And I've now put Elden Ring to the side. I haven't played that in all two, three weeks now. Man, I haven't played that game in months. <laughs> three months. Yeah. It's, uh, that it's funny because I was months? listening to an old episode yesterday because I just didn't have anything else to listen to. It was just me crapping on Elden Ring and you guys being like, so excited. And then you never played it and I loved it. So I played it. I just... I tried to explain it the other day, and, and someone kind of gave me the out where it's like, I don't know what it is, but making the game open world somehow made the game lo- made those types of games lose the magic that normally pulls me in. So my excitement was dashed because the excitement I normally have for that type of game was predicated on something that this game doesn't really offer, which is tight, you know, I don't want to say scripted, but tight areas to work within and understand and that give you a flow and a pattern of, I need to complete this in order to move forward. Yeah, Whereas kind of like, like you a meticulously designed level. Yeah. And this is just a meticulously designed sprawling world, but it's, it's technically a little aimless. Technically. Yeah. I don't know. I think so, Sekiro is way better. So there you go. Take that for what you will. Sekiro is incredible top five game of all time look at you go all right so next thing up kotaku reports that hangar 13 which is a developer behind mafia 3 and the mafia uh what was it called um the collection that had the one remake in the i don't i don't actually know that they developed the uh remaster of two but they i think that they did they Uh, did at least they've had their hands all over mafia for quite some time steam store lists them as the developers so that's as, as much as i can give you yeah, that seems reasonable. Uh, anyway, they are developing a Mafia prequel, if we were to believe these reports. The game is being developed on Unreal Engine 5 instead of the proprietary Mafia engine, which is probably smart, from being honest here. The studio was most recently behind Mafia 2 Remaster, but had a project reportedly canceled recently in Project Volt, which was apparently a very expensive cancellation. Yeah, um, $53 million, I think. Yes, I, I'm genuinely surprised that, that they are doing anything. I, I, I have been waiting with bated breath to figure out what was going to happen with Hangar 13 because I swore that they were going to... I was like, that's going to that's gonna be their death knell because Mafia 3 was a loved game, but I don't think it was like a big game for them. I don't think it sold what they probably thought it would. But maybe they're not Square Enix and think that every game should sell 80 million copies. <laughs> I don't know. Um but I never got that feeling, right? I, I had I always got that feeling that it was kind of like a scrappy game that didn't quite perform as everyone wanted, but it was still good. And so people ended up loving it. And it did okay. And then the Mafia remake, I don't remember that ever really blowing up. So I just feel like what have that what has that team put out that has made them worth losing fifty three million and then being entrusted with yet another game? 
and I'm not trying to talk to their work. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm talking more of how high level publishers like this tend to work within situations like this. Um, if nothing yeah, else, mean, I'm surprised that they weren't just made into a Grand Theft Auto, or not a Grand Theft Auto, but a Rockstar support studio. Like, yeah, we're just going to make you Rockstar or whatever. <laughs> and rebrand them just, as Grove Street Games. <laughs> whatever it is. Fix yeah. the remasters. God. There actually might be some benefits of that if that's what they were going to do. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see. Uh, are you a big Mafia fan? I like the third one. I tried to play the second one. I didn't get too far in it. I'll tell you right now, I've never played a mafia game in my life. You've never I've played seen three forever. I've never even played a, a game that's constantly referenced, and I know it's not the same game, but just because it makes me think of it. I've never played the Godfather one or two, which are like constantly talked about. I've never played Godfather one is pretty good. But the Godfather two is incredible. You finish Wanted and Wolverine, and I'll send it over to you. Oh, good lord! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. That being said, the next thing is the FTC has began taking a look at the marriage between Sony and Bungie, just as it has with Microsoft and Activision. In all likelihood, both investigations will result in nothing, but it does indicate that the government is catching wind of what's going on with the gaming industry and rampant M and A. And what are you calling M and A here? You mean mergers and acquisitions? Okay. This I'm, I've never heard it referred to in that sense. Uh, but yes, that does look like they're trying to crack down on consolidation within the gaming industry. Um, uh, but it looks like they're trying to do that across the board with every industry. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just interesting that gaming is uh, being seriously looked at, which is probably for gaming as an industry is probably a nice like, yeah, we made it because we're getting scrutinized in the same way as every other industry. Yeah. But it is, I will say it is weird. And I know it's technically a different administration kind of pushing for these things. Um, but it does feel weird to tell me that Sony can't buy Bungie or, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, we have to really look at whether or not Sony can buy Bungie, but you let Disney buy literally everything you let disney buy star wars and everything related to lucas you let them buy fox in its entirety and now you're telling me well how hey 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 sony can't be buying no bungee yeah right I don't it, know. it I just don't, feels weird i don't think that uh either of these deals are going to be stopped I, to me this kind of feels like the government being like yeah we i guess we could pay you to look at this you know I feel like there's no, they're just going to look at these things and let them go. Well, I, you know, in, in, in trying to really look at the way they were talking about it, there was some talk from them about uh, Sony's statement of, uh, and Bungie's statement at the same time of the fact that Bungie's games would not be made exclusive. But I know that one of the things the FTC was asking was in so many words, it may not be exactly on the money, but it's in the spirit of what advantages could Sony have should they choose to leverage Bungie's games into either exclusive games or exclusive benefits within on that? And how will that impact the industry as a whole? Um, and if that's, if they're looking at that through the lens of Sony buying Bungie, a considerably smaller purchase than Microsoft buying Aquas, uh, Activision, then I have to wonder what questions that maybe I didn't, and maybe they're out there, but what questions are they asking in regards to Activision and Microsoft if they're asking what 
what potential benefits that could have industry impacts would Sony benefit from doing something exclusive within Bungie versus what potential benefits would my, would Microsoft have in making an Activision property exclusive? Well, that was the whole thing with Call of Duty is that the FCC was like, or they were told that Call of Duty needed to be multi-platform in perpetuity. So that's a big one. Yeah, I mean... But are you telling me that there's really nothing else within Activision Staples that they consider to be beneficial? I mean, it's just, I, it's I weird. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I I agree in the sense that Call of Duty is literally like the biggest gaming property. <laughs> so, well, I don't think uh, Crash Bandicoot is going to, you know, determine the future of Activision. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, yeah, I, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up coming. The part of the issue is that Activision has literally just become a vehicle for call of duty at this point like what's the what's the when's the last time that that activision put out a game that wasn't call of duty in the last two years or even talked about it Uh, two years i I heard you after all right (laughs) i jumped the gun yeah well that because i give crash and crash 4 is a great game also i saw you downloaded and installed crash 4 i did great game incredible game but uh yeah, it's it's just weird. It seems like everything that Activision was doing to diversify from Call of Duty, they completely dropped and said, "Yeah, we're just going to Call of Duty it up." Even though the the time they made that decision, the next game that they put out like significantly underperformed for a <laughs> Call of Duty game. Yeah. But that's uh that's the life of this. So we'll see what ends up happening in that, but I almost wonder if this will slow acquisition down in terms of people looking at things. If they'll be like, what are the chances that the FCC will will bother us enough to where is it worth the time and effort to put into what it is? But I don't really understand in a deep level the uh, acquisition side of industry, so I don't want to pretend to. So we'll just let things happen and uh, we'll see if there's any real impact in the long run. Or My if this opinion is just, is just that the only people who have to be wary are, is Microsoft. I think they're kind of doing it for to Sony because they're doing it to Microsoft. It seems kind of like fair. If some If you're checking one purchase, check the other ones. But it's part of yeah. why I don't think... Uh, I think it's more likely that WB gets split off rather than sold as one unit. Because I just that think it's might, easier to yeah. sneak through. I think that that might be the most... Uh, that might be the biggest piece of potential evidence, you know, or whatever you want to call it, postulation yeah. towards your theory that WB is parceled out. Um, I still stand by currently. I think that WB want to sell it as a single thing just so they can get out of it quicker and easier and probably for, uh, well, really quicker and easier because they probably stand to make more money by piecemealing it out, but it's more yes. deals and longer time and slower income. I think that they want one deal that gets them the lump sum that they want all at once and they're out from under it. They don't have to worry about it. Um, I just think it's so much more valuable we'll see. to put in there. Cause it's one of the things I was thinking with the square Enix deal, which I didn't get to talk too much about is that I think that $300 million looks really low, but there's a good chance that like, let's say the rumor that they're trimming themselves for, uh, purchases through, mm-hmm. and Sony was just like, we don't care about these studios. We're not going to pay for them, right? We'll take them, but we're not going to. You know, that's not going to change our price. So then, Square Enix is just like, well, we can get three hundred million right now for these uh, this stuff. Here you go. Now you bring that three hundred million in, pay off your debts, and then Sony buys you with just those because they want Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, for sure. And potentially Forspoken, if that game actually does end up being any kind of real no needle mover. Right. And that remains I mean, to be but seen. You also get Outriders, you get Life is Strange, you know, Just yeah, you, Cause, you get plenty. Like that. Yeah, yeah, you sure do. Which I would be so, surprised that Sony let Legacy of Kane go, if that my theory holds, but... I don't know. It's why I just don't think like I think if Sony was going to or any of these guys are going to purchase, I think it would be a lot easier for Sony to be like, yeah, we bought Square Enix and NetherRealm rather than we bought Square Enix and WB. Bang. You know, they're, they're yeah. dropping their I balls mean, on the table. Sure. But in, in terms of focus, yeah. laser focus, look at. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure Sony actually 100% wants to be able to say, yes, we both got uh, Square Enix. And, you know, hypothetically, if we're talking about the benefits that they get to throw out there and be like, look at the two things that we got. And consolidation is a big deal because, like, we talk about people aren't really looking at this as what they probably should be, which is that this is all preparing for a console-less future. And I really hate that that is realistically what's happening. But every bit of what they're doing right now is because in the long run, whenever the box stops being important and it becomes the it becomes the little peripheral thing that they still do for people who are hardcore and want that, but the majority of gaming is moved off of a native box, which I have a strong feeling is going to happen within the next probably 10 years. Um, strong. We'll see. Agree. Hey, I, I, I will never say that I think it's going to completely go off of the box. I just think that much like people thought with digital, you're going to get to a point where 10 years from now, it's going to be like, oh, 51% of games are being played through cloud or some kind of streaming access or something that does not require an actual dedicated gaming box. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe. I hope I I'm I, wrong. I would say uh, go that, ask Michael Pactor how that prediction worked out for him. <laughs> oh, I think he just I think he primarily predicted it too early. I think I think he made that prediction when PS Now was coming and I think he saw the tea leaves for PS Now and thought, you know, this is everyone's going to be trying to follow this, but it turns out PS Now when it first got bought from, you know, Gaikai and and came out mm-hmm. was not it wasn't good enough and no one else really threw enough research and development in that ring until significantly later when Microsoft thought hey we're going to do cloud gaming now in like 2018 2019 so it's like an 8 year gap before somebody else was really taking it at a very high R&D investment level to bring the quality of that up as a whole and i think that as a result PlayStation now got significantly better cuz they suddenly had real competition they're like crap we've got to get better i'm actually super surprised i was able to platinum and play the entirety of infamous 2 twice <laughs> essentially completely streamed and had zero issues uh, it's made me a quiet believer in the fact that it wouldn't be the worst future but it's still not my ideal future you know what i mean yeah i don't think consoles ever go away because i think the games are too big Again, hey, not go away. But I think that you're going to eventually see where more and more people are playing, and that's the future that they're going off of. And whenever less profit is coming off of the box, what's going to matter most is ecosystem and then what games draw people to that ecosystem. So when it's, hey, we want you to play on the the PlayStation launcher or we want you to play on the PlayStation TV app uh, because if you buy the game through us on there, then we get the... 20% 20% split or whatever it be for facilitating this. And then what games are we going to bring to our service? Because we want you to, it's exclusive to us, but we're going to bring Final Fantasy, you know, that beloved old franchise. We're going to bring Kingdom Hearts. We're going to bring The Last of Us. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And that's what is going to be the thing. And, and Xbox is doing the same thing. Hey, hey, come on over to us. We've got the, we've got that Call of Duty, which apparently 
They don't, they don't have it exclusively, I, but point I, being. I, I think it would be really interesting for some... As much as I've been against Sony buying Square on this show, I do think it would be super interesting because you go into buying a console, right? And you're like, do I want the home of JRPGs or do I want the home of WRPGs? And that's like very much what you're deciding at that point. It's not wrong. Xbox yeah. would own JRPG, uh, WRPGs. Sony would own J. It would be kind of crazy that that's that. Now here, here's here's Sony's ace in the hole for, to fix that, right? Buy Square, buy CD Projekt Red. Yeah. yeah. And then, hear me out, then CD Projekt Red gets to make Days Gone 2. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so... I, wa- I want to say I would be happy, but then again, we played Cyberpunk. I would be cautiously optimistic, <laughs> as, as I like to say. Imagine that though. One day we got this news article that no one thinks about. Where it's like, yeah, Jeff Garvin has joined CD Projekt Red, and then you hear all these rumors like they're like working on this motorcycle game. We don't understand. And then they go with Sony, and they're like, "We're making Days Gone Two literally right now. Why don't you just buy us?" <laughs> that would, dude. That would be the funniest. Like we're completely talking out of our ass, but that would yeah, be right. a hilarious move if CD Projekt Red was like, "Listen, they t- they told Sony we want Days Gone. Can we buy it from you?" Sony said no, so they go next best thing. John Garvin, we want you. Uh, what, what's the other dude's name? I can't Jeff think Ross. of that game. Yeah, Jeff Ross. <laughs> Jeff Ross. John Garvin. We want you guys. They buy them. It's like, listen. Essentially, make Days Gone two in terms of design aspect and everything. Right now, we'll work with placeholder characters, and we're going to present the game. We're going to tell Sony, listen, we're making Days Gone essentially with or without you. Now, you can either be official here, buy us up, and then let us slap the Days Gone two name on it, or <laughs> we'll just put out a game uh. that's called like uh, Months Past. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sadly, Jeff Ross works for Embracer Group now, so he does work for Embracer Group right now. But hold on, he works for Crystal Dynamics. Was he Crystal? For some reason, I thought he was at NetherRealm. Did he move again? No, Crystal Dynamics. He never was at NetherRealm. Hmm. Now you got me questioning everything. Why did I feel like he mentioned that he was? Uh, I don't know. He was at High Moon Studios as well. Look at that guy go! You're not joking. One hundred percent at Crystal Dynamics. Weird. I do know myself. Okay. <laughs> I just don't know where that came from. Was there another high-profile developer that left a studio and then went and worked at? Uh, Probably at Netherrealm. I don't know. I don't know. I said it on Discord. I still think the WB thing, the perfect result is uh, Sony with NetherRealm, Microsoft with Rocksteady. Oh, hey. and I wasn't wrong, homie. He was a design manager for NetherRealm from December 2020 to June 2021. Okay. Yeah. He still so we're both Crystal right. Dynamics. <laughs> he does. That's um, where he's at now. But yeah, Sony with NetherRealm. Um, Microsoft with Rocksteady and Nintendo with Traveler's Tales. That's what I would like to see. Nintendo Traveler's Tales actually makes a ton of sense, but we'll yes, see yes. what ends up happening there. Um, Lego Super Mario World 2. <laughs> they're selling the licenses. <laughs> yeah, they are. I'm also curious, are they really selling the license or are they essentially saying, if you buy them, we'll create an indefinite license where you have access to these licenses, but we still make royalties? 
Well, I don't th- with T- with Traveler's Tale specifically. It doesn't matter because they're losing the Lego license. Um, but I, I mean, WB is not going to sell Batman, so like you have to figure That's out a saying. licensing thing with them. But it wouldn't like, surprise hey, me if you it, can make whatever Batman game in perpetuity. You have that yeah. right. You essentially can do it, but you just have an extended open license from us. We still make all the royalties that would come from us yeah. being the licensee. Or if, the game, I, yeah, if I was Microsoft, I would be like, we're buying Rocksteady. We'll buy the Gotham Knights team. And hey, guess what? We're the exclusive home of DC. And then Sony's like, we're the exclusive home of Marvel. And then take your pick. This want? is just going to become uh, that Sega does what Nintendo don't. This is just going to get all to that level. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I love it. I want to see, uh, you know, some more com- DC games coming out of that. That'd be fun. We'll see. Well, speaking of Gotham Knights, WB Montreal dropped a new Gotham Knights gameplay trailer Tuesday, showed off gameplay of Red Hood and Nightwing. It also brought the welcome news that the PS4 and Xbox One versions, welcome to some, unwelcome to others, uh, of the game are canceled so the studio can focus on creating the best game possible for current-gen consoles. A lot of people wondered if we would make it through 2022 with the majority of games still being cross-gen, and it looks like our answer is here. This, I have a strong feeling, is going to be the beginning of most studios announcing that either new games will not be supporting PS4 and Xbox One, or that even games that were announced to originally be doing so are no longer. I have a weird sneaking suspicion that Saints Row, uh, the new Saints Row, might do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But we will see. Uh, That being said... uh, that's a that's a larger conversation to have there. But speaking of Gotham Knights, still the game was previously announced with two player co op. However, redditors found that on the game's PlayStation Store listing, it is listed with four player co op instead. With the studio canceling the last gen versions of the game, this seems like a viable next step, and that might have very well been part of the reason. Um, which kind of lends us to, I think, the larger conversation that we wanted to have, or at least the ending conversation we wanted to have in this episode, and then kind of uh, take that conversation to you guys, the community, and let you guys answer uh, next week. But with that in mind, first of all, Chris, I think I know the answer, but how do you just how do you in general feel about this move? I think both of us have the the answer of it doesn't really impact us, so we have the benefit of not needing to care. Is that a fair standing point? I mean, if I had a PS4, I would be upset, but I still think this is the best move for the game, and so I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I think that the problem that sort of this year faced with companies wanting to start doing this is that Sony did release Horizon Forbidden West on PS4, uh, and it ran supposedly well and looked pretty good. and I think that that's created this expectation that PS4 is still a viable platform when for people to really move forward to do what they want to do, it may not be. But the problem here is that a game that's exclusive for a PlayStation and can be hyper-focused for PS4, PS4 Pro, and then PS5 makes a little more sense than a game that's trying to be made for PS4, Xbox One, Xbox One S, Xbox One X, PS4 Pro, Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, PS5. And the reason being is that a lot of people 
at least I think in the Twitter sphere where more people are in touch with the, having the newer consoles like the even if they don't have a PS5, they likely have a PS4 Pro or an Xbox uh, One X. And I think it's really easy to get to this point where you look at the PS4 Pro and the One X and you think these are still pretty capable machines and they are. But that's not the problem. When you say you're making a game for PS4 and Xbox One, unlike Nintendo when they did this with their new 3DS, there has yet to be a game that is PS4 Pro exclusive or PS4 Pro and Xbox One X exclusive. No matter what right now, when you make a game for PS4 and Xbox One's generation, you have to develop for the lowest common denominator, which just happens to be the original Xbox One. Mm-hmm. And that is a hard gap from the original Xbox One up to even the Xbox Series S, let alone the Series X and the PS5. Um, And it's why things like four-player co-op, which might have been what they wanted to do all along, but they had to settle. Potentially, we're just high, you know, just guessing here but that might be why something like this ended up happening. Um, A lot of developers talked about uh, talking about Michael Pachter, actually, uh, Chris, yeah. do you remember a lot of the cross-gen games for PS4 early days because of the fact that Michael Pachter, as well as a lot of other people, had predicted that the PS4 and the Xbox One would flop and that consoles would no longer exist and that f- gaming would move primarily to phones? <laughs> I do remember that, yes. That was the worry. Everyone had that worry, and it's the reasoning that Sony leaned against whenever the Vita failed, partially because of them, because they said it's just we can't compete with phones. They said as the PS4 was breaking records and putting out games, and the problem is is that people had already started to develop games for PS3 and then essentially just port them over to PS4 with some extra stuff to make the PS4 version a little bit better. And people are trying to get away from that. Uh, Our a good example of a game that was beloved, but they talked about the developing issues that came along with it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but uh, some of the head dev- designers, if I remember correctly, for Dragon Age Inquisition said that they remember feeling jealous when they heard when it was announced that The Witcher 3 was going to be next-gen exclusive, even though it was only a year and a half into, you know, or a year or so into the PlayStation 4 when they announced that. Um because they said that they were so constricted by EA not knowing whether or not PS4 and Xbox One would be successful, so they wanted to be able to release them on the consoles that had a heavy install base. Um, And I think things like that go to show that even if it's not necessarily what consumers want, sometimes the people who are making the games that we want to really push the medium forward need to be able to throw caution to the wind and say, "Our our idea is hard to pull off, excessively hard to pull off on this old you know, old hardware, old silicone with straight, way more limitations. So we're going to move away from it. Would you agree with that, Chris? Yes, I would. I mean, I hope that's why they're moving away from it, honestly. Well, at this point, what we got an update that I, I noticed you didn't put in the news, but we got an update on PlayStation um, sales. And I think that PS5 sales are like 19.8 million or somewhere in that um, mm-hmm. that ballpark. I'm going to go pull it up because uh, I know that they missed their target, um, which is no surprise. Um, so let's let's pull it up real quick just so we can kind of talk about it. Um, 
over on Polygon's first thing I pulled up, sadly, but <laughs> it says Sony says it shipped 11.5 million PS5 consoles in the course of the financial year. This pro this brings the total number of PS5 sold to 19.3 million, uh, but it's still more than 3 million short of the most recent target that the company set. Um, so, in talking about pure profit motive. This is like a weird balancing act that studios have to do because they do this thing where if they stay on the old gen consoles, but maybe the game doesn't wow as much, then maybe it doesn't sell as much numbers as it would on a smaller user base, but where the game really shows off its next gen aspects and does something new. And then the people say, oh yeah, we're going to, we want that. We're going to buy that. So now the game sells 2 million more than it would have being on only you know, being on PS4 and PS5, being only on one, just because it's able to strut its stuff more. Now, that's completely uh, hypothetical. We don't actually know if that would become the case. But I have to imagine that this is not raw numbers, because raw numbers would tell you that PS4 and Xbox One being the primary release would be the biggest form of potential money. True. So I am a, I'm curious. I think that this is getting to the point where we saw it last gen as well. Companies want to do, not companies, companies employ people who want to do the best they can. And essentially someone within that developer, that, that, that studio is going, please look at the numbers. There's enough now that if you let us cut the old versions and really shine on the, on the new gen versions, we'll make, we'll make either close to the same or make up the difference entirely. And studio, and basically Publishers are just having to say yes or no. Um, so, what do you think? How many? How do you think that this is like the the first domino in a set that's supposed to just uh, about that's about to go and pretty much every game is going to start saying that they're not doing the PS4 version? Um, like, what do you think this means for God of War Ragnarok? Probably nothing, unless it gets delayed again. <clears throat> I think if it gets delayed again and they don't cancel it, I would be blown away. Like three years after you're releasing a PS3 game, PS4 game, that would be kind of insane to me. It's not impossible. <laughs> no, but it would be kind of sadly. Insane. It would be a little insane. Um, you know, I think I remember this being a point of contention for a lot of people because of the fact that, like this article says, Sony is still having an issue, and so is Microsoft to some degree, seemingly lesser uh, of being able to put as much consoles in the hands of the people that actually want them. Um, and so I know that one of the first things that's going to come from this, from a vocal community who is worried about, or maybe a part of the, the, the group that doesn't have next gen consoles that says bad move, bad look, bad PR, whatever you want to call it to release a game on next gen only consoles, when consoles, uh, a third party game, albeit, when next-gen consoles are so scarce. What what do you think of that viewpoint and that argument? Do you think it's really going to get traction here, or do you think it'll kind of be glossed over? Uh, it'll probably get glossed over, honestly. Do you think there's any chance that they're gonna that the argument's gonna be made that people are gonna be like, you've been developing a PS4 and Xbox One version all this time, you're close enough to the end, my, you guys need to support this game and the old systems in this time, and then they just go back and say, we are going to finish it, but maybe it's delayed. I'm just curious. I don't know, but the power of the internet lately has proven that 
the vocal minority can really make big waves. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that it depends. Like if Sony's like, listen, we're we have to delay God of War and the PS4 version is the reason it held us back, so we're not making it right now. I don't have a pro I don't I don't know. I think that would be a good thing. I don't think people would be I, I think it would too. That. But so I think like, listen, the we have to delay is, for three months, but if we kept working on these, it would be another year. So we're delaying, we're canceling them. I don't know. I think people would be fine with that. I'd be curious. I think I think to some degree people would, but at the same time, I think that me and you can come to that conclusion a lot quicker and a lot easier because we are part of the the class of people with next gen consoles. Um, True. So I, I think that that's why it's weird. It, and also the 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 Twitter riots as they <clears throat> are often <laughs> be, become, you know, that I it's weird because sometimes I think they end up in good moves and I'm not even saying that if they kept this game on last gen that it wouldn't ultimately be a better thing. I don't know. For me as an individual looking at it through my strictly selfish viewpoint, this game being a next gen exclusive actually makes me significantly more excited for it than I was. And that might even be pointless because is the game really going to change that much if they've been developing it with with ps4 and xbox one in mind and now six months ahead of release four months what is it? it's coming out in october right yeah so october. four or five months ahead of release how much is that actually going to change the game are we actually just wishful thinking here and it turns out that even though it drops the the previous gen versions it's still ultimately a a cross-gen game that just got the previous gen canceled like how Maybe, much but can they really do? Or has this been a known thing for months and it was part of the last delay and then they're just like, look, we're just going to keep developing only the next-gen versions and then after it's closer and we get closer to our release date, then we can just say, oh, we had to cancel the other ones. But it turns out well, they, the last year they've only been working on next-gen. They probably looked at Cyberpunk and was like, it's not even worth putting out a PS4 version that doesn't work up to snuff. So we're not putting it out. It's true. They probably could have gotten a PS4 version out. Would it have been good? Would people have been okay with it? Probably not if they're canceling it. So that's probably what it is. Like We'd rather just not make these sales and deal with the backlash. Well, that's the other side of uh, you know the backlash that you may get on the PR side of saying that you canceled the next-gen versions is a significantly easier beast to tangle than the backlash of releasing a next-gen or a, a previous-gen version that underperforms if that is literally what it is. And if they really are worried about like, how do we make this game viable enough on previous gen to where people would buy it and not feel like we're even close to a cyberpunk situation. They, that's a harder thing to wrestle. The, the wrestling PR of a game releasing and then after release, getting a load of bad PR is a lot different than a game not being released yet, getting bad PR out of the way, and then getting to release with that PR gone and out of everyone's mind because the next gaming controversy will come up. So I think that that's a fair point, actually. Yeah. That's yeah. That's where I'm at with it. <laughs> they're, just, they're just choosing what side of the internet hate fest they want to deal with. Exactly. Now or I later. <laughs> you do. You go with the one that's paying you $10 more, right? <laughs> Oh, did they announce that the next-gen version will be 70? I didn't even think about that. No, but I bet it will be. I bet it will be, too. It would actually be an interesting move if their middle ground was that it's still 60. Like, hey, even though we had to cancel that one, we're going to keep previous-gen pricing on this. That would be an interesting move. I doubt they take it. 
Zero <laughs> percent. Look, hey, if if the backlash is really strong, that might be their PR flip. That that might be it. Zero percent chance. Can you pre-order the, the game right now? Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe I'll find out. I'll look on my phone. Yeah, I'm about to say if you can, uh, look it up and let's see what the price shows. Because if it's showing a price and you can uh, pre-order it, then I you think can't there's pre-order a, it on a. Uh, you can on oh, the, you can, on you the can. yeah sixty nine sixty nine ninety nine. Right. Yep. So it would be an actual cut if they dropped it, which I doubt they will. But they will if not. They did. I agree. All right, Chris, is there anything else you want to talk about in relation to this, or uh, do you just want to turn it over to the uh, community and see uh, how they feel about this move? Yeah, I'm going to turn it over to the community. The community. All right, community. Let us know how you feel about cross-gen games. Uh, and more specifically, if you feel like this going off of cross-gen uh, is a good or a bad move uh, and if other games should follow suit. So, of course, as always, I will post those on the Twitter at Triangle SQRD, on the Facebook in the Facebook group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, asked to be entered into there, and I will gladly let you in or one of our admins. Chris, I think you let the last person in or maybe Josh because there's a couple of admins for the Facebook group. I am not an admin of our Facebook group. <clears throat> I swear I made you one. I don't think I am. Uh, we're going to find out. You should be one. Saul would be, okay. but he just doesn't have a Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you can find us, as we always talk about, on the Discord and join the day-to-day chat, as so many of uh, the other listeners do. Uh, and that is always linked down in the description below. We will put that out next Monday, maybe Sunday. I'm still trying to figure out exactly when I want to drop the community's take to give the most people the amount to the chance to respond to it without it getting buried by the time that we go to pull it. So... Uh, if you have any thoughts on that, let me know. Um, but yes, be part of that. We will uh, be glad to hear your thoughts. We love reading them out. And sometimes it leads to interesting conversations. So that's why we do the show. And to just generally let a wider group of voices be heard by the little platform that we have created here. But Chris, if that is all, then thank you for joining me as always uh, for episode 260. And guys, remember that like much many, many, many of you have done already that if you would like to head over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month, it goes a long way in helping us out with all the things that we uh, do with the show and all the things that are involved, uh, the production side and the cost. We appreciate that. Uh, and as I mentioned, we have a new patron this week and he goes by the tag of aztec king so thank you very much for being a new patron we like to shout you guys out uh, and we are ever grateful for it but until next week we will see you guys for episode 261 then and a huge shout out to all of our patrons including aztec king lechion 69 the lord corgi salvador garcia ham and dagger bailey robertson mark schutz cypher primus jason clendenning kyle grimm Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kitty, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Steven Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank each and every one of you, and we hope to see you next week.